recently got a new microphone and the headphones came with them, but apparently they don't want to work. Looks like some nice pair of headphones. I'm just using cheapy iPhone ones. <laughs> it's all good, man. How you doing anyway? How's your day been? Good. How about yourself? Yeah, all right, all right. I mean, you know, the world's slowly getting more insane as each day goes by, but I'm trying to, yep. trying to keep a level head. But uh, yeah, yeah. I tell I tell you what. I mean, I'm I'm I have to admit I am getting fed up of the whole geopolitical storm that's just continuously going and like you know recently i've been engaging on twitter with the whole thing and just talking and I, I just got to a point where i'm just i'm just done i'm just done with that because you know I was, I was thinking about this like oh what you know i got into this because of the whole consciousness side of things and over over time i've been dragged into all these weird little political dramas and things that have gone on over the past two years and i'm just i've just reached a point where i just can't I just don't want to talk about it anymore, you know? Yeah, I've been there for a while, like last couple of years. Yeah, I've been slow. <laughs> I've been slow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, like it's, it's this it's this thing, it's social media, it pulls me in, like, you know, it pulls me in sometimes and I kind of wrestle back and I'm like, oh, I know I shouldn't be too invested in that. Don't let that get me too bothered. It's all good, you know, it's fine. And then boom, you kind of get pulled back into it. And I, I've been thinking about it over the past couple of days. I'm like, you know, I need to just distance myself from Twitter. Like Twitter is just, it, it just creates so much drama that doesn't need to exist. Yep. Yep. I'm at the point now where I just like do my posts and walk away and I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't engage with internet drama. It just brings you down, man. Just brings you down. But you know what? We're here to be uh, talking about all the things that we are interested in, Ryan. And it's always good to speak to you, man. And uh, by the way, just for everyone listening, before we uh, before we jump into everything, I'd just like to recommend everyone check out Ryan's awesome podcast, Bledsoe Said So. If you like discussions on esotericism, philosophy, symbology, consciousness, and the phenomenon, then you really should check out and support Bledsoe Said So podcast. So links will be in the description box below to check out after this talk. And uh, I love the name. It's a great name, dude. Thank you. Thank you. It actually just kind of came as a joke and I like threw it out to make uh, like our team laugh. Yeah. And they were like, that's it. That's that's the name. <laughs> and it was done. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great name, man. It's a great name. I mean, how how's the podcast? And you've you've got like a real setup as well, like a really good setup. I love it. I mean, you know, that's my dream at some point to have it properly done with lighting and, and everything, but you, you guys are early in the doors and boom, you got yourself a, a set and, and you're ready. Yeah, we just kind of like went with the whole manifestation thing. Like if we make our physical environment reflect like what we want to be and we show like exactly what we want to show, then we're legit. We're a real show, you know, we're a real program. And that's kind of where I ran with it. I just knew in my head, like I got to have all the lights and the frames, you know, because our podcast yeah, art is like yeah. photo frames on like a haunted mansion look and, you know you you kind of see the vision you create it in the 3d world and it's real you know so thank you here's, here's me with a bandana literally tying my microphone to this stand because it's too small for the stand <laughs> <laughs> nice nice ghetto podcasting over here mate but um yeah no I, you know what i don't want to um i don't want to waste time kind of going over things that have been repeated on like so many other podcasts because you know, you've done a lot of interviews, Chris, your father's done a lot of interviews, Chris Bledsoe. And so people who are not familiar with Ryan or his family and their experiences with strange phenomenon, and, and most notably his father, Chris Bledsoe, and his experiences with, um, well, I mean, what could be really described as a kind of like an angelic being or, you know, a female entity that Chris has called the lady. 
what I would personally recommend for those listening who aren't familiar with the story is the four, I think it's four or maybe a five part series by Richard Dolan with your dad. Um, I'll put links in the description box below. Yeah. These, these are the best interviews in my opinion to get like a really good full rounded idea of the, uh, of the story. So I'll recommend that people do that. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we will jump into stuff that being said, you know, I want to definitely want to talk about some of the things like the intelligence community interest with your family, and uh you know the, the experience with the lady and what what your father was told and i've also got quite a few questions from people in the community that we'll get into later but okay i think, I think um yeah it's, it's there's to be honest I, I i was really good the response from the from the community there's some really interesting questions so i'm excited to uh to jump into that at some point just sure, gonna sure. take a, a drink of water i have to apologize because I'm, I'm coming off the back of a little bit of a cold so i'm still feeling a little bit ropey in the throat mm, sorry to hear that man mm. It's all good. No COVID. Good. Just a normal cold. You know, people still get normal colds, everyone. <laughs> yeah, there's they're still around. Yeah, they're still around. They still exist. But um, yeah, I mean, I think something that I would like to talk about to kind of kick this off is uh, the idea of prophecy, because this is an undeniably large part of not just like your own family's experience, obviously, with your your father's experience with the lady, but it's a key component of the UFO subjects itself. You know, there are pro- prophetic themes within ufology that are comparable i guess to kind of like religious archetypes angels and demons and good aliens and bad aliens liberators and manipulators and and because your own dad has had experiences that are kind of prophetic in nature i suppose my question just in like a very general sense is how do you feel about prophecy i mean i grew up with it to be honest you know my dad had his encounter in 2007 the first one um for those that aren't familiar uh, there's a documentary about it, um, UFOs Over Earth, Discovery Channel. Uh, not a particularly good documentary. It was a little bit of a smear job, but it is what it is. The the core information is there, you know, if people want to watch it and use their discernment. And, um, you know, since I was like as early as 14, 15 years old, my dad started having these visions about like, you know, war, war and apocalyptic type scenarios. And we've kind of like privately had these discussions it's it's the kind of thing he does not like to speak about publicly very rarely i think he may have mentioned some on your show before some of the things that he's seen yeah yeah and um by the way like your particular um interview that you did last year with my dad was super good it's 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 one of my favorite ones out there yeah no problem and um anyway so then when he met this female entity in 2012 she straight up told my dad like This is how it's going to be. There are dark people in power at the top of humanity um, who are using the book of revelations as sort of like a playbook, like a script. And on the global stage, I'm talking like what you see on TV, what you see in entertainment, you know, from, from my terminology, that would be like a stage, right? Shakespeare said the world is a stage, you know, just kind of think out of the box. But the lady told my dad that on the global stage, they're using that book of revelations as a script to play out this apocalyptic scenario to try to like subjugate humanity. But um, in the age of Aquarius, it, it, it won't succeed. It, it, it's just not going to happen. It's going to look bad. Like, honestly, um, all this war stuff going on, I, I kind of like knew that it would eventually happen. Um, who knows? Maybe it's false flag. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just another COVID news cycle where they scare us about it every day for two years. So we all live on the edge of our seat. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in the in the global stage, it's going to look really bad before we transition in, into the age of Aquarius fully. 
So how do you so how do you feel about I mean in general because I mean humanity is kind of littered with prophetic messages from different intelligences I mean this is actually kind of evident within the scientific community as well if you go back I mean there's a few different people I could draw upon as examples that were divinely inspired or at least in in their understanding divinely inspired uh, to uh, to produce what were eventually becoming scientific models and I find that really interesting so I, I, I guess what I'm what I'm asking as well just outside of just your own um, you know your dad's uh, experiences is what do you think the nature of these types of interventions is is it all of the same is it all coming from the same kind of source I guess is what I'm asking you mean like the prophetic sources yeah like the prophetic sources are they is the is this the you know divine angelic beings coming down to try and assist humanity or is this I mean where do you sit on this whole idea of there being perhaps like a duality like multiple different types of interests being involved and seeding humanity of information and you know what what is the nature of prophecy in your opinion okay that's that's a really cool question i've actually never been asked that thank you for not asking me about like spinning ufo's and you know the oh, the yeah. kind of Come the kind on, of drivel that you know me you know, you know me yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um honestly my whole take on this living pretty much my entire life with the phenomenon interacting with a very high level intelligence agency individuals and etc cetera, etc cetera, um i'm i'm kind of parked on the mindset that there is a unified consciousness field. Um, there is a dualistic element to it, you know, just like in Zoroaster, it was um, Ahura Mazda and Angra Mainu. There's, you know, since ancient times, there's always this light and this dark, like even in the Egyptian mystery systems, there's, you know, Osiris and Horus symbolizing the light. And then you have Set, the eternal darkness, or you have Jesus and Satan, or, you know, they might say Jesus and Lucifer. There's always a light and a dark, always. I'm not going to sit here and say that there's no like evil phenomenon, but you know, the way that I understand it to be is not as they tell us like aliens with these weapons that are trying to like attack humanity or anything like that. In reality, it's um, entities that don't necessarily even have a physical form and they uh, leech onto your subconscious mind and they implant very dark, negative, self-harmful and in really bad cases, you know, violent thoughts towards other people so, so is that is that a belief of yours or is that something that you've been told that you think is is real yeah i 100 percent believe that was, that's yeah. what my dad told me yeah I, they, I, they, I, they leech yeah. off of our emotional kind of bandwidth. yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah they feast funny, on I your mind on your fear actually I saw, uh, I don't know if you were in that Twitter thread, but there was a discussion about that whole thing. And, and someone was saying, you know, how, how can someone please explain how that would even be possible? But to be honest, if you think about the fact that we're electrochemical beings and we produce mm -hmm. electric uh, frequencies in our, uh, you know, in our bodies and our cognition is based on electrochemical exchanges and we produce a coronal discharge around our uh, bodies, an electromagnetic field, then... Yeah why i mean you know plants use sunlight and they photosynthesize and they gather energy from that environment so why could something perhaps not you know utilize your emotional output because they, yeah. they, they they've even discovered this i mean there's been scans of the brain and scans of the body with high emotional states so we we know that there's actually a much higher level of energetic output when there's high emotional states at play so, I mean, yeah. you know, constant levels of anxiety, constant levels of fear. My God, you're going to be lighting up like a candle, but with this energy that, yeah, I, I guess if, you know, if we're going to expand into a vast 
cornucopia of different intelligences and things that might exist, even if it's not a, necessarily a, a self-aware intelligence, but some sort of animal that we don't fully understand that can leech off of energy. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And even like if you dive into esoteric circles, particularly like Rosicrucians, Freemasons, Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, the really big, big ones that I, I feel like most people should at least read about and kind of brush up on them. Um, that's that's one of the things that they'll teach you in private is when you're trying to reach a certain effect with your consciousness, when you're trying to, you know, make subtle changes on reality through your intention and your will, you're supposed to charge that with a high state of emotion. There's something about the emotions that we experience, you know, that pass through the, so to speak, heart center. You know, if, if we really were like beings with metaphysical energy centers, um, well, according to the ancients, the heart center is the most powerful. You know, so if, if there's any merit to that, I don't I don't really think it's that crazy. We could sit here and we can come up with scientific explanations, not you, but skeptics. I think yours is great. But people like, how can you explain that? Well, I don't I don't think everything is easily explainable. You know, I mean, yeah. it's 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 a pretty crazy universe out there. It is a pretty crazy universe. And, you know, I have to draw upon my own personal experiences at the end of the day uh, i've yeah i've i've exactly as you described got into states of of what what really did feel like high energy states because i was in like a mm -hmm. meditative state projecting intentions and i had uh you know i had visitations from these orange orbs of light that came over my house and so you know wow. i i know that there is this weird component to consciousness that connects with some phenomenon like i mm -hmm. this is the thing like i uh, some people may have had much more vivid and you know kind of detailed experiences but all i know if i'm going to draw upon my own subjective evidence is consciousness can do stuff that allows something to interact with you and it will show itself that's it that's all i really know i don't know what they are they didn't tell me what they are definitely wasn't drones or you know lanterns it was something anomalous have no idea what and so for me i'm i'm stuck in this position of i hear people's really detailed stories and it's like right like okay that could be another component to this but when it comes to my own personal experiences i i at the very least i know that consciousness doesn't just operate within the physical restraints of the body i i know that um mm -hmm. but i don't understand it i can't quantify it i can't do it to the satisfaction of a quantum physicist or, or a scientist um that's where we have to draw on the intuition you know one person who i really love within the scientific community even though he's no longer here is nikola tesla because he had such a, right. a, a brilliant connection to the esoteric whilst also respecting the scientific method you know he, there's a, one of my favorite quotes from him about uh, and people will have heard me say this so many times now but it's the quote where he says that there is a core at the center of you know all things like the universe where we draw all of our strength all, all of our inspiration everything comes from mm -hmm. this core i haven't discerned the location of this core but i know that it exists and i really mm -hmm. love that because it's that whole idea of <clears throat> here's someone that totally respected the scientific method could draw things from this ether you know from this kind of like hyperspatial ether of the imagination and bring it into physical reality and create tools and create innovations but he knew yeah. he knew that that stuff was coming from some larger place it was flowing through him he recognized mm -hmm. that he didn't know what it was but he knew it was bigger than him. And I, that's the kind of approach I think is, is necessary. It's, it's that intuitive knowing there is something bigger. I can't fully quantify it. I, I don't think it can be quantified, but you have to pay attention to life because my God, it's, it's there. It is there, you know? Yeah, there's definitely an intelligent design behind life itself. I mean, you know, you get into understanding sacred mathematics, which was taught 
originally as we know it by like maybe the Babylonians, but particularly the Egyptians brought to the West by Pythagoras. But there's this kind of like secret concept. Um, I'm not sure if you've read the Da Vinci Code. It's kind of like woven into the book, but it's known as like, you know, the golden ratio, Fibonacci yeah, sequence, yeah. also known as phi. And they can very easily identify that throughout nature, this, this sacred ratio, which is, by the way, it's a ratio that signifies infinity. If you were to draw its image, you know, if you were to take this mathematical ratio and turn it into an image, it's a spiral, which goes on infinitely. And they're able to very easily determine that behind all life that spawns in nature, this, this math is encoded into that life. Life itself is infinite and intelligently designed. Yeah. But it's like, how do we, how do we measure that intelligence? You know, I well, don't know. Well, this is, this is something that, you know, continuously interests me. And, and I, I have to admit that I find, I find the material reductionist perspective on um, the emergence of consciousness to be, I, I find that there's, there's an unnecessary extra step involved in that type of model that actually challenges it a lot more than I think people realize because it's this whole idea that obviously if you're a, if you're a material reductionist physicist, you, you believe that matter is blind and unintelligent, yeah. just colliding with itself and kind of creating things over time. But the whole idea of derive, deriving intelligence from something that is absent intelligence makes very little sense to me. I don't understand why, how, how can you create an intelligent structure absent any sort of intelligence existing within it even at like a basic like evolutionary coding level because if you think of like a computer like this is uh, this is something i've been thinking about for quite a while this whole idea of like a self-assembling quantum computer right because if you look at the human being mm -hmm. the human being to me at least is basically like a biological quantum computer it's got this exquisite kind of interface through the nervous system and the electrochemical reactions in the brain and the body and it's it's way of drawing data in and, and rendering data from our environment into a usable format we're, we're a bit like a computer and then if you look at the consciousness side of it and the idea that our consciousness can connect to multiple places or all, all points in space and time we are like a quantum computer that connects to all these different nodes on a network but the thing is, right, if you build if you build a quantum computer, if you take it all apart, like an actual one, not us, if you get an actual quantum computer, you take it all apart, all those components aren't necessarily intelligent, right? But then when you put them all together, it creates this, this intelligent structure that can operate and do these amazing things. But you still needed a human to build that in intelligent structure. It didn't just assemble, right. the, the parts didn't just all kind of collide together and randomly create a quantum computer. But we're to expect that over billions of years of evolutionary processes and developmental processes, the emergence of this structure called a human being that's come out of this kind of genetic swarming on the planet is 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 just it just randomly happened i mean it just it just seems so counterintuitive to what we know about how you create intelligent things and how things get formed there, ha there has to be some sort of guiding creative hand and right. so i think that it makes a lot more sense for there to be some sort of Im embedded intelligent substrate within reality that that moves things around over time and that's what we call evolution and it's slowly moving these things around like a so program yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So I struggle with this kind of material reductionist perspective on it, because I, I just think it has this unnecessary step of like, well, where the hell does the intelligence come from then? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how uh, deep you want to go, but then you start really studying these esoteric circles, like particularly, there's a very heinous individual named Aleister Crowley, oh, who yeah. I'm, oh, not, yeah. 
Okay. So for, for anybody that doesn't know, he's probably the most influential dark occultist of all time. And just a quick little tidbit, the word occult doesn't mean evil, dark, black magic practices. It just means hidden things. Like for example, chakras is a cult or like meditation technically in Christian America, or, you know, maybe Christian England or wherever that would be considered an occult practice. Anything that's not Christian, right? doesn't mean evil. I just want to throw that out there, but there is some dark occult stuff. And Aleister Crowley in particular, very influential figure in these nasty little underground circles, um, wrote, about the Aeon of Horus, where the goal of these influential societies was to try to push a atheistic, secularistic, kind of like no spiritual, no belief in a higher power for the masses, right? That that's kind of like the goal that they were trying to perpetrate on humanity. And I mean, I don't know if you if you look now, it seems like that that really may be happening. Using the scientific community to push that on us through school, through the Rockefeller education system would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, this is, I mean, the, the whole Alistair Crowley rabbit hole is a deep one. And I yes, mean, it is. Obviously, it, it is. leads to people like Jack Parsons and the, mm -hmm. the foundation of NASA. And, and then obviously, yep. you know, NASA is such and a ufology, yep. ufology and Scientology. Exactly. You know, I mean, you, you know, I talked to Jean Luc and John Majorowski a lot and like literally mm -hmm. every single road. And they always point this out to me because I'll say something and they go, ah, oh, but you know, you know, that links back to this. Every road seems to lead back to like the occult or like some level mm -hmm. of uh you know uh magic ceremonial processes going on and it's such a strange thing like I've, I've i've started to realize over time i mean my my introduction to this subject was through consciousness anyway but not necessarily understanding from that angle how, yeah yeah not that angle and like over time i've been introduced to how that is a really prevalent part of the issue and yeah it's it's it fascinates me and it's it's also disturbing you know yeah. I mean, I can personally tell you um, a, a, a nice handful of the like CIA and intelligence officials that I've met. Um, I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations or my father has as well about this subject, about the occult and, you know, even Jack Parsons and, and how it's um, related to ufology itself. And they pretty much are all in the agreement that UFOs and like, you know, like what my father says, this is why they come to us. This is why they know we're telling the truth because it vibes with what they really understand at the highest levels. That it is in fact an occult phenomenon it's a spiritual consciousness um energy phenomenon it's you know when when you talk to these very high level intelligence guys they're they're not asking like what color were they were they green did they have scales they, they know that's not true they know that's not the reality of the situation but the masses get you know the the news version that talks about a blip on a radar and everyone goes nuts about that for three or four years and that's just the way it is but yeah i mean when when you get truly deep down the rabbit hole of like the ufo phenomenon and you know I, I i gotta say like when you land on the phenomenon that my family in particular has experienced and others out there as well um you you begin to realize that it is sort of like an occult phenomenon like you know they they called them nature spirits in egypt they called them angels in the bible they called them genie in the middle east fairies in ireland it's all the same thing i think it's the you same know? thing yeah i mean yeah the ancients were seeing these things and they were describing them in in the way that they knew how i think you're right i think you're right i think it's a cultural lens i think that it's yeah. it's a it's some sort of projected lens which means that even we're probably not interpreting them in in their true form or whatever the true oh form yeah for sure i don't think the five senses can interpret their, yeah, their true yeah. form I, I i don't believe that they have a like a, a a true physical form i believe yeah. that they can 
appear that way that, that can stimulate our mind in a way that we understand what we're dealing with. And um, yeah, that, that actually was told to me by the CIA. So yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, it certainly makes me think about what I saw. I mean, um, you know, on four separate occasions, these orange orbs, I've seen other things, but these are the ones that really are like the the wow ones for me personally. And, and I, I've had people say, well, maybe you Maybe they weren't really orange orbs. It's just what your what your mind was, uh, you know, yeah. able to comprehend. Yeah, yeah. It's like hell. That could that could be true, man. I have no idea what they were, and you know, it, it's uh, it's 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 a really interesting thing that there's such a, a wide variety of experiences. Though, I mean, I've asked a lot of people this, but what do you think about like the whole abduction phenomenon of like alien greys and probes and experimentation and and that kind of stuff? I mean, do you think that that's just a a cultural lens or is that and do not believe those stories um and let me tell you why because a you know i've been dealing with this incredible phenomenon since i was literally 13 years old i mean most kids when they're 13 you know especially in our generation they're playing video games they're going home and they're talking about girls you know like they're they're not seeing light beings it, it, it was kind of a shocking twist to my childhood and ever since i was a small child i've I've really had this on the front of my mind every day of my life, pretty much, and really just kind of um, just marinated in this this lifestyle. You know, I just wanted to make that very clear. Um, it's basically the main part of my life is this experience, this, yeah. the UFOs. Anyway, and from everything that I've experienced since I was young, I have never seen any sort of like classical alien phenomenon. I I, I wouldn't be so. Um, I wouldn't be so sure to say that that kind of thing does not exist, but the very reason that I don't believe that that truly happens is a, I've never met anyone credible that looked me in the face and told me they were brought on a ship. And I'm like, Hmm, I feel like you're telling me the truth. I've just never met anybody that was credible with that kind of story. And I've met thousands of people throughout my life, you know, coming to our house, seeing us on TV thousands or, or at least a thousand, you know, being like, a popular target for being studied for UFOs. Reason number two, um, I've been told by different intelligence officials that 95% of the crap that you see on the internet about UFOs and in TVs and movies, it's all programming. It's all tricking the masses. None of it's real. It's all fake. It's all disinformation. And I honestly believe that. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything that suggested otherwise. So what, what, in your opinion, uh, is the closest to the truth outside of all of the uh, the noise that's being generated? The closest to the truth? I, th yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think you're, I think you've got it, man. I think you figured it out. It's consciousness that, that these beings are, they're entities that exist in a realm that is eternal and that when they appear in our realm, they take a form so that our limited five senses can understand we're dealing with something much greater than yeah. than ourselves. And then, you know, particularly in the last hundred years, you've had these billionaire tycoon families like the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, um, others like, you know, the, the, the banking dynasties, and they've really got their grips on the media. You know, we've only been watching movies for like a hundred years. You know what I mean? We've only yeah. been really having televised news for the last 100 years. And really, they didn't even start talking about aliens in, in the public until about the 1950s. So just think about it. These groups for the last 100 years have just totally duped humanity into believing their material reductionist view. And they just show us whatever they want to show us. And we just sit down and we just watch TV, eat our popcorn, and we just eat up everything like, you know, pigs on a trough. I mean, it, it's that simple. Like, I 100% I believe that the uh, the physical 
alien threat, bull crap. I, I don't believe a word of it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, the you know the the underlying hypocrisy with material reductionist perspectives, like just drawing this back into like science, is uh, it's it's really interesting to me. I mean, it's it's I think a lot of the times it's non-conscious hypocrisy just born out of not knowing these things. But I mean, if we take for example, and this is drawing into like the phenomenon and how it does have an impact on on science, even though they don't really mm -hmm. want to recognize that. Um, you know, the man considered as the like the father of, of modern day rationalism or material reductionism is Rene Descartes. That's he's, he's typically mm -hmm. seen as one of the, the primary people. And, uh, you know, something a lot of people don't know about Rene Descartes, you might do, is that he was inspired to found the modern day principles of material reductionism or like rational scientific doctrine through meeting an angel. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, yeah, he, he um basically when when he was a soldier in prague he was having a fevered sleep um and he was he was in this like fever dream and an angel came to him in this fevered state and told him it's something along the lines of the truth or the the secret of the universe can be found in measure and number and it was something along those lines and so my point here is that the person we consider the father of modern day reductionism within science which is a perspective that basically finds no space for the paranormal and, and considers it all to be irrational their entire foundation was pretty much built upon the inspirations of a man having a paranormal experience not to mention his probably his most famous um i wouldn't say quote but thing he's known for is how uh he believed that the pineal gland was the vestigial third eye in the seat of the soul right right so this, yeah. you know, this is the thing. We've got these examples um, from science where these, there has been this type of, you know, div divine intervention. At least that's how it's been interpreted. I mean, you know, another example. Uh, what's his name? Augustus Kekulé. He's the inventor of the benzene ring. Um, you know, after struggling for like a really long time to find a way of visually representing the structure, he had a vivid dream of the uh, of the, the Ouroboric serpent taking its tail into its mouth. And then he woke up from this dream and he, he jotted down the first benzene ring. So, you know, scientists don't like it when you bring these things up, you know, the so-called paranormal or the idea of having mm. uh, messengers or prophecies, inspirational interactions with the unknown. You know, these things are very much present in the foundations of our modern scientific infrastructure, but we just don't like to talk about it. Right. There's this um, scientist who's kind of obscured. He was a heavy hitter in the scientific community, had a lot of advancements that we still use today, but not many people know about him. His name was Marcel Vogel, and he was uh, particularly into crystals. He worked for IBM. I'm pretty sure it was IBM. It was a major like computer company. And he started having dreams about the Kabbalah tree of life. Oh, wow. The yeah, the geometry from the Kabbalah tree of life, because it is a geometric symbol at the end of the day. Um, anyway, so he had dreams that the geometry of the Kabbalah tree of life could be cut into a clear quartz crystal, which would enable it to have extreme uh, healing properties, transformational properties in other areas, and also technological benefits. And he actually is the founder and inventor of the LCD liquid crystal display, which, you know, we've used in TVs for like at least the last 20 years. Um, and other things too under under IBM. And he did this at IBM facilities too. This was real scientific research that he developed from a dream, an occult dream, cut the math of it into crystals. It's called a Vogel crystal. And um, it's, you know, that that that's that happens a lot. And particularly when I've met uh, some members of the Department of Defense and the CIA, that's one of the things they told us that the super geniuses throughout time 
um, especially in the most recent history with these extreme technological advances like Tesla, even some people now, um, they receive their inspiration from the phenomenon itself. And we were basically told to understand that the word genius actually etymologically comes from the ancient understanding that you had like a genie on your shoulder hmm. telling you information. So, yeah. Do you, think, um, do you think that's going on with Tesla? I mean, he's been very, I, mean, I say Tesla. Um, did you mean Elon Musk uh, when you when you were saying geniuses? No, I meant Nikola Tesla. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like he was a divinely inspired genius. Right, uh, right, right, right. I mean, Elon Musk could be, I don't know. He's never come out and said like something speaks to him, but. No, for sure. Know. Yeah, sorry. I thought you said modern day. So I was, uh, I, th I thought you meant Tesla, the company, but you know, you're absolutely right. No, I mean, no, no. Yeah, I meant Nikola Tesla. I'm pretty sure Tesla actually said that he he believed he was speaking to intelligences from Venus once. Is that true? Did you know about Elon that? Musk or, or Nikola Tesla? No, 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 no. Nikola, Nikola Tesla. I, I believe there was this whole thing of communicating with intelligences from venus i'm not sure if he said venus but i do remember he he said he was communicating with yeah. some form of intelligence he he yeah for <laughs> sure he was a he was a pretty spiritual guy i mean he believed the entire universe was energy frequency and vibration yeah, exactly exactly and he's he's one of my favorite people to draw upon just because he yeah he, he to me he represents everything that i think i think we need to be looking at when it comes to like a symbiosis between science and spirit or physics and metaphysics whatever you want to call it yeah you know? Uh, mind and matter like he represented that i often wonder what we were you know where we would be if uh if he had been given the reins uh but you know a lot of people say oh we would we would not be where we were now uh where we are now with with uh with tesla because it would have been wireless and we wouldn't have all the technology but yeah but we'd have different technologies we'd have had different we'd have free unlimited energy yeah i think i think yeah we would have probably been flying ufos by now <laughs> yeah yeah we would have been flying or it would have been a, a total flight based society. I mean, he had levitation in like 1910. They locked him up because he figured out energy is free and it swims in the air all around you. They locked him up for the rest of his pretty, life. Pretty sure he uh, kind of uh, speculated and created a schematic for the best conductor platform to be able to be a flight platform. And it was a saucer and it wasn't like he'd drawn from, uh, you know, UFO law. That was just in his That wasn't mind. out yet. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like he was just like, no, this is the best. This is, this makes sense. Like a, a saucer shaped craft would, would be the best conductor. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, again, like I, I, I believe that, um, it's very possible that there could be those kinds of crafts. I just, I tend to not believe anything coming from like mainstream sources. I just, I don't buy yeah, it. I hear you, man. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, do you think that there, do you, so where do you sit on like craft being reverse engineered or materials being gathered? Like, where do you sit on all of that? Well, I definitely believe that. I mean, I've touched some of these materials and uh, you know, it's just the way I understand it is that these beings can manifest whatever they want. Mm. Here's, here's my problem with ufology. My problem with the entire subject in general everyone's so worried about are they real or at least they were before 2017 and now they're worried about like oh i like this craft i saw the t i see it on twitter all the time you know i there's a tr 73b or whatever they've got a black triangle craft and this and it's all about the craft and the craft and the craft and all i really care about is what really are they and why are they here yeah. what what do they have for humanity like to me it's kind of um it's kind of painful to watch the world be focused on like the wrong things they just think ufos are cool you know typical people on the internet think oh yeah ufos are cool i've seen them in movies i love them i'm a ufo freak and then it's like you know yeah they you don't, don't understand the kind of deep 
the resonance like the, the esoteric side to this yeah where, yeah, yeah. I, I know and the thing is I think for a lot of people it's a it's not an easy pill to swallow I mean like there's a lot of mm -hmm. there's a lot of crazy people in the UFO community and there's a lot of crazy people in the consciousness side of it as well and like you know that's from someone who is very much embedded in that side of the community and, and loves yeah. it and, and appreciates it and listens to people but you still it's 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 difficult when I guess there's just such a mashup of opinions and ideas and it's like, oh no, it's the galactic councils from Zeta Reticuli. No, no. Yeah. It's and this. the deep no, space program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there's just so many colliding perspectives and I think it for, you know, for a lot of people it's intimidating and it's just like, well, this all just sounds a bit crazy. It's, it's information overload. And you know, you hear one story yeah. from one person, another story from another. So I, I don't know what I truly think, but I, I, I feel like, what what you're saying is is pretty much in alignment with how i how i think it is i'm just i'm just not ready to i'm ne i'm never really ever ready to say this is the way it is like because i don't know fully i haven't experienced it myself but i definitely have some strong intuitive intuitive uh kind of uh you know inclinations as to what this represents and like you i do think it's kind of a what we would at least we would we would say it's spiritual in, in yeah uh, in and, and that can be a broad understand that doesn't be, mean yeah. like go to church that doesn't no, mean no that. exactly i think that's I, the thing it's like a trigger word for a lot of people the word spiritual that's yeah. why i try and be careful when i use it but it's a very broad meaning and it's the only thing we can really draw upon is it like in, intuitive but really spiritual is 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 the better descriptor of it um you know and like yeah. i said it doesn't mean religious i think at the end of the day all that really matters jay is not that people know exactly what they are and everybody has their sighting and everybody has their experience listen i can tell you i've had lots of experiences and i've had people come to my house and have experiences many of them break down they're in tears they're terrified it messed my childhood up like this isn't the kind of thing that's just like cool like it's a very extreme phenomenon it, it appears in ways that can be very overwhelming to the senses it can cognitively destroy people who are not in the state of mind to handle it i think people should stop thinking so hard about like what are they are they real? I think all that really matters at the end of the day, based on what these entities told my dad, all that really matters at the end of the day is that we shed our fear about the phenomenon. Who cares, you know, if if they're really this or they're really that? All that truly matters is that we have nothing to fear from the phenomenon. All we truly have to fear is human nature itself and how we treat our neighbor. And that it's important that we cultivate and truly intuitively understand that we are supposed to love our neighbor and treat them as we treat ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we're killing ourselves, human, the human races. I mean, just got through a plague, whether it's, you know, real or not, or propaganda or not, doesn't matter. We still all lived through it. We still all suffered through it, you know, as a human race. Now we're looking at war and it's like, dude, people still are like scared of aliens or wondering what they are. That doesn't really matter right now. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I've been. I mean, it does I'm, matter. It, it does matter. Oh, no, I but. mean, it, it it matters. But I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying because I felt I felt I felt similar. I've been sitting here, you know, over the past kind of week and thinking to myself, like, my God, I can't really focus on UFOs that much right now. There's just so much yeah. going on. The you know, the human the human story is at such a pivotal moment. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible in a bad way, but you can just you can just feel it. It's it's feverishly on high alert now and um i just i i still 
even though I don't really, I guess a bit like Tesla, I don't know the location of it. I just know it exists. There's a sense of optimism that we are just going through a transitional transformational period. And there is certain mm -hmm. levels of stress and certain accelerants and catalysts that are needed in order to push you just like you have in your own personal life. I mean, my God, I can draw upon so many different experiences, even ones mm -hmm. of quite recently in, in my, in my personal life where I've gone, Oh man, that sucks. And then I look back and I realize, oh, that was necessary. I get it. That was necessary. And I think that the same can be said for humanity right now. I think that in all honesty, the the level of intensity is actually the best evidence to me that we're going through a transformation. Oh, yeah, definitely. I 100% believe down to the very pit of my soul. So what the lady told my dad in 2012, that again, like they're going to make very bad things happen globally to deceive humanity into believing it's an apocalyptic end time scenario. But right on the other side, we're going to enter an age of peace um, because of the astrological shift into the age of Aquarius. And I do believe that we're on the cusp of that. I think I think the consciousness is going to be um, more, uh, I guess, understood. Uh, I don't know that we could ever discover like the source of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I suppose if we did that, reality might fall apart and we we might not need to be physical beings anymore. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if we truly understood consciousness. The game would be over. Yeah, the game would be over, right? But I do think that, um, that what we're seeing right now in the world is kind of like the old vestiges of power mm -hmm. kicking and screaming as it's kind of phasing out. It's going to look really bad. But what I what I truly want to express to people is, yeah, it's going to look bad, but, you know, it could be way worse. You, you could, you could be there right now. You, well, there are people there right now, but I'm just saying like, you just got to hold on to the, to the hope that there, there is a brighter future. You know, there's a new age coming. At least I believe it. Can we talk about uh, your dad's experience with the lady a little bit? Sure. Where, where do you want to go with it? It's a, it's an in-depth experience. It's a, de it's definitely an in-depth experience. Um, I mean, I guess, first of all, are you able to just kind of explain these encounters a little bit for those who don't know anything about it? Just a, just a bit of an overview of what exactly this situation is. Sure. Do you want to just do the lady one or, or the 2007 one as well? Chris? What do, what do you think would be best to give clarity? I can run through the original experience. It's just a long experience. I'm going to paraphrase. And I, again, want to point people to the fact that there is a documentary. I think it, it's, it's a 14-year-old documentary. So like, if you're really interested in the original encounter told from my father, I would say just go on Amazon. It's like two or three dollars now. Um, UFOs over Earth, episode one, Chris Bledsoe. But I'm going to run through that. Very long story short, 2007. My dad's in a really bad spot in life. Just sold his multi-million dollar business. Very depressed. Very at the end of his road. Just like wanting to give up on life, literally. And um, he's going fishing on a Friday night with my oldest brother, Chris Jr., who at the time is 17 years old, and he has three of his contractors, like, you know, employee contractors. They just finished a job um, building a, a house. And anyway, so they're fishing on the Cape Fear River out in the country, North Carolina, very secluded area off of a highway, you know, near trailers. It, it, it's not even like there's neighborhoods nearby, it's trailers. And anyway, so the point being there, it's deep in the woods, nobody's around, they can kick and scream all they want, no one can hear them. And they, um, so dad splits off from the group because he's just not enjoying the fishing. It's about five in the evening, but it's January. So it gets dark a little early. Um, it was just before dark. So I'd say it was maybe like four 30 
Anyway, he walks back up the trail, half mile walk, 15 minutes through the woods, gets to the top of the trail. The whole time he's walking through this trail, there's rustling in the leaves that's really freaking him out. And he's like getting down on his hands and knees. He's looking under the bushes, trying to figure out what it is. He's been a hunter his whole life out in the dark woods at, you know, four or five in the morning, hunting deer, bear. He's not scared of the woods, but this scared him. This is the first time he was ever truly scared in the woods. He couldn't figure out what this noise was. When he would stop walking, the noise would stop. When he would start walking, it would pick back up. Just, you know, just like a creature or something in the woods. Gets to the top of the trail, which is at an incline. So he's kind of like walking uphill. So when he gets to the end of the trail at the top of the hill, he sees two really big, bright, uh, fiery orange balls, basically like big balls of fire, big, as big or bigger than the sun on the horizon. Actually, at first he thought it was the sun, but then he realized there were two. And by the time he realized that a third one shoots up right beside him and dad's freaking out like, oh my God, this, this is not of this earth. This is it's aliens. It's something. He turns around and he runs back down the trail. And by the time he gets to the bottom of the trail, it's pitch black night. The truck is in a different location. The fire they had going is out. The guys are not fishing anymore. My brother, Chris Jr. is frantic and he's running around like, where have you been? Where have you been? We've been looking for you for hours. Well, just as a little paraphrase through the documentary investigation, they did determine that my dad had about four hours of missing time. From my dad's perspective, the whole walk up and back was no more than 30 minutes. Could have been less actually because he ran back. And from the other guy's perspective, my dad was missing four hours and they, they did do a full hypnotic regression. It's not covered on the documentary. They cut that out. I did cover it on um, episode 17 of Bledsoe said so I'm pretty sure it's no, I'm sorry. That's part two. That's the lady regression. Part one would be episode nine of Bledsoe said so. So if you want to hear the transcript of the regression, I did get it anyway. So back to that night while it's still happening, um, we, my dad finds out that Chris Jr. saw two entities in the woods that he described with like each of them had red eyes and um, they just stared at my brother. One of them constantly would look at my brother and my brother was like frozen in place. He couldn't move uh, for two hours. He sat there kind of like paralyzed. And when my dad gets back, they ran off and they like literally dove into a tree stump and just disappeared. They went invisible. They all freak out. Like they, they realize something's going wrong. And then one of them shouts, look, and they look up in the sky and it looks like eight stars um, scrambled around. Like if you just see the stars up at night, imagine them just moving around. They're just like scrambling. And then one of them shoots down and lands on the other side of the river, big, bright, white. Uh, I guess you could say craft, even though they look like light. They all get in the truck. They speed out of there. They're thinking it's the end of the world. And when they get to the top of that path, there's another... Um, kind of like craft on the road blocking their truck. Okay. Some point the craft disappears. They all get home one by one. The guys are freaking out, fighting about who gets to go home and see their families one last time before the world ends. And you know, because they thought the world was ending dad and Chris jr. Get home and to get to the end of that part um, that night, dad sees one of those little short entities in our backyard face to face. And it tells him, um, it was either that night or the next night. He saw it twice, but just, you know, rushing through the story. This is in the documentary. Um, but anyway, so when he sees this entity, either the night of or the next night, it, it tells him like, you don't understand. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. That day after dad's initial encounter, he never suffered from Crohn's disease ever again, which is a chronic disease that there is currently no cure. Uh, never took another Crohn's disease medication. And then 
the rest is history. The documentary crew came after we sent the report to MUFON. Uh, they did the documentary. Okay, so there's no documentary on this. On this, so I'll I'll go into a little more detail. But five years later, in 2012, um, Dad. So everybody knew who we were. You know, at least in the UFO crowd, like studying UFOlogy. Um, and Dad, actually, our whole family was so ridiculed because of the documentary and how we were portrayed. Uh, Dad, Dad didn't want to speak publicly ever again. He was sick of Hollywood. He was sick of doing. Um, like conferences and things of the like. So 2012 comes around, my dad's really in depression. Five years of darkness is what we kind of like to call it to refer to that time. And um, we privately would let people come see us at our home, you know, like people that really believed us and just wanted to hear the story in person. And it, it, it made us feel really like validated to know that there were real people that believed us. And hundreds and hundreds of people have come over the last 15 years. But like I said, in those five years, dad never spoke publicly. He got asked all the time to go to conferences, but he just, he was never going to do it again. But the week of Easter of 2012, dad goes to sleep one night. Actually, I think it was the day after Easter, I'm pretty sure. And um, he hears a voice at 3 a.m., like a, a kind of like a deep manly voice. And it says, arise. And dad juts out of bed and he, it, he, it, it tells him, get dressed. And he gets dressed. He goes to the backyard and he sees these. Uh, tall beings that are kind of like wearing these cloaks, like they, they, they just look like cloaked. And um, these beings lead him through our backyard, which is a six acre property out in the country with woods all around. So it's pretty dark uh, to the woods where we have these dog kennels, um, you know, cause we're, we were a hunting family. So we, at any given time, we had like 12 or 13 dogs on the property and um, like hounds. And things like that. And anyway, so these beings hand him this little thing that kind of like looks like the, the way my dad describes it is it, imagine you had a small dog, like a chihuahua with kind of like not super long fur. And it, it seemed to have like legs on either side, but no head. It was like this symmetrical little thing. It, it didn't have a head. It didn't have a mouth. It didn't have a face. It was, it was this little thing. Um, anyway, when he held it, the being said, this is your burden. Don't lose it. This is your burden to keep. And every time dad would, um, he, he would try to like put it away or whatever, you know, he's walking with it and it's like pricking him. He, he got this sensation that it was painful. It was hurting him. And he gets through the yard. He throws it in the kennel, slams the kennel shut. About the time he turns around, um, he sees an etheric bull. Now, for, for those who might not know what etheric means, think like a ghost, think like Casper, kind of like see through emitting a little light, etheric, like ethereal. And he sees this etheric bull charges through my dad. And it feels like an extremely powerful force of wind knocks my dad on his back. He rolls over, gets up on his hands and knees. And by the time he's on his knees, looking up, there's a, a about a four or five foot tall woman, um, a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes. And she's floating four or five feet off the ground, looking down at my dad. And she has a, um, a white dress from her neck to her feet that's twinkling like the stars. And she tells my dad, you know, why I'm here. Um, this, you know, the, this, this experience that you've had is, is your burden to tell the world. You're, you, you've been quiet for too long and now you got to go out and start talking again. And um, she told him that the age of Aquarius is coming. 
that they showed him the pyramids and the Sphinx. And she said that when the red star Regulus aligns with the gaze of the Sphinx just before dawn in the constellation Leo, that we would enter a new knowledge, that we would phase into Aquarius or whatever. And um, she did not give a date on that, but she just gave the alignment. And she said that there is a dark group of people, pretty much like, you know, at the top of humanity, the most powerful people in the world. If you can fathom whatever you can imagine the most powerful people are, to me personally, I would think it's the richest people in the world. That's just my two cents. It's pretty common sense. Um, the people that own the media. But anyway, she said these people would be using biblical scripture in order to uh, make it play out on a global geopolitical scale to scare the hell out of humanity and kind of like trick us into believing the apocalypse is really happening. And therefore, it will really happen because if we all believe the prophecy, we just made it come true. You know, and she said the thing that's going to stop it is if we all learn the truth that these beings are about God, that consciousness is real, that every blade of grass, every rock, every drop of water has consciousness and is equal. Me and you, we're equal. Everybody's equal. We're all part of God. We're all part of consciousness. That when we all learn that, that we will um, have the power to stop it as a human race. We will stop it when we all learn the truth that consciousness is real. And um, that, that's, that's the majority of what she said. She said, this is a game. Our soul comes here to learn, to find true love, like love of other people, love of consciousness and, you know, the truth. You come here kind of like a spiritual boot camp to learn these lessons so that you're ready to go to the next life in the spirit world. It's kind of like an evolution of consciousness is how she made my dad understand it. But eventually we will be like the beings in another life. So what happened to the furry thing? Oh, everybody asks that. My dad, <laughs> my dad has never told it. But what the lady told my dad, what actually I have it in, in my notes because I, I, you know, I, I could sit here and, and tell you or I could just read it to you and you'll get the actual answer. But um, he, he did another hypnotic regression on that one. And um, what it was, was it was a symbolic item. It was representative of... Um, Let's see. Let's see. Do you mind if I find it real quick? No, go ahead. Oh, you know what? The other thing she said is that uh, the true apocalypse will be the revelation of the truth that consciousness is real. And, you know, consciousness is God. Like people are turned off by the word God. I'm not I'm not telling you to go to church. I just am trying to tell people that there is a higher there is a higher intellect. There is a higher power is the creative yeah. force. It is the force. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a creative intelligence that that roots for us and, and made us for a real reason. It, it wasn't random. Um, but yeah, so she said that that's the true apocalypse that will happen in our lifetime. And um, the other thing she said is that the earth is a living being. It has its own consciousness. And that right now the earth is heavily affected by the collective fear of humanity. And that's why these bad things are happening because we're kind of like manifesting it by living in fear. It's constantly pushed on us every day especially in the last two years, mm -hmm. uh, actually, especially now. And that the only thing that will save us from the earth physically destroying us as a species in order to protect itself. Um, she said, it'll shake us off like fleas if we don't cut out the fear crap because our fear vibrations are harming the earth, which is a living being. The only thing that will save the earth is if we all understand that love is more powerful than fear. And that's how we have to be, you know, and kind of like a metaphorical sense, you have to vibrate with love. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so the thing is, um, 
Um, she said, everything is a living being with a consciousness, the trees, even the grass that we walk on is consciousness that is pre-programmed to this world, just like we are. We're all part of um, her, like the, the mother female entity. She called herself the mother of reality itself, like the literal progenitor and creator of reality and all life. And um, she, the, the regressionist in particular asked my dad, like, what was the object she gave you? The one you had just asked about the prickly thing. And what dad came back with is it was symbolic. It was symbolic of our world, of the natural world. It, it's, it's the keys, which is the symbol of the natural world. We're all part of nature and everything is a part of nature and the forces of nature. It was nothing other than a symbol. Um, it had no legs, uh, no legs, no head or no tail. So I said it had legs, but I guess I remember that part wrong. It just looked like the torso of like, he always described it as just like, a, like the body of a chihuahua, like just this small little object. And um, it, it's, it's symbolic because it was alive, but it didn't know where to go. And the collective humanity is the same way. We're kind of like gnashing in all directions and we're freaking out. And we're all in total fear and chaos. We have no direction of like where we should go to further and benefit humanity. And um, dang, I accidentally scrolled up a little bit, but that, that's essentially what it was. It was just a little object to symbolize um, so how we... Did it just disappear from the kennels? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. just disappeared. So it was probably, I mean, it, I imagine like a kind of like a tulpa, like a psychic object, something that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was I like think a, their crafts are. I yeah, think their crafts yeah, yeah. are like psychic objects. They just yeah. they can just create whatever they want. Um, Jim Simivan, I'm sure you know who he is, but for the listener who doesn't know, he is the um, head CIA guy for like to the stars. You know, like Tom DeLonge's UFO. Uh, company and particularly he's one of the guys that we chatted with quite a bit and i was at a party uh like an easter party it wasn't like a party party you know but like an easter family party of some friends of ours in philadelphia jim was there too mutual friends and that was one of the things he told us was that they have um, observed and understood that there is a level of manifestations of entities that interact with our re reality and at the very highest level, including like the lady and other godlike beings, that they're so consciously aware that they could just destroy some anything with their thoughts. Like if they really wanted to, they could just destroy a planet with their thoughts. But that's not their intention. They're not these evil beings, you know. But basically, you know, what I gather from that is that they fully are aware and understand that these these beings, this phenomenon is psychic in nature. It's it's conscious. And I don't just mean like conscious, like you and me are awake. I mean, like it, it, it operates in the realm of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, I mean, this is just a human saying this, but I, I think that you would at that level of conscious development, I, I don't think the idea of wanting to destroy planets makes any uh, sense whatsoever because you know, you look right. at, you look at developmental process, at least here and like, yeah, there's conflict because we're a, primate species and we're still growing out of our kind of uh, you know primordial natures and so mm -hmm. there's a lot of conflict and aggression and this is this is all here and packaged up in the human experience but that's we can see that there's a developmental process going on where we're refining i mean we look we look back through time and we are getting better like you know we we are getting better over time we still have a lot of creases to iron out but i just imagine that a being at a level of conscious development that is, you know, just so far beyond our own, it, it doesn't make sense to me that it would want to act in this kind of petty way of being 
aggressive and combative. I mean, I could be wrong and maybe there's powerful malevolent energies like, you know, this whole idea of drawing off of psychic negativity. If that's true, then perhaps there are really powerful beings on the flip side of things. But I mean, do you think that that's a possibility? I don't. I think we're creating them with our fear, like psychic phenomenon. Oh, wow. I so think that yeah, we're generating these creatures from our anxiety. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think nature is inherently evil. You know, if you mm -hmm. think about it, if you look at the animal kingdom, um, except for really intelligent beings, like, you know, uh, like certain types of primates and apes and things like that. Sure, they, they have um, incredibly aggression like and... dis a discriminate aggression where yeah, they'll like form yeah. gangs, but they're, they're more similar to us than, you know, like a tree or a plant or whatever. I, I don't think that nature is inherently evil. I just think it fulfills its biological functions for survival. Right. And then when you get to our level of consciousness, human beings where, you know, we have nine to fives, we live in a house where rain doesn't even hit our head outside because we're just sheltered and our like survival instincts are suppressed because we really don't ever feel them triggered. You know, we just live very comfortable lives in modern society. Um, Anyway, where I was going with that is when you get to our level of consciousness, we're, we're kind of like past that nature level. And we're, we're kind of just like trying to get the things we want and that we desire. It, it, it's just totally different than the plant and animal kingdom. I, I, I think if anything, we're the evil ones. Well, you know, I mean, you not look at, nature. You look, yeah. You look at humans who are living in tribal communities that are having a very minimal uh, footprint on the world. And, and we look and at they work together. We look at them as if they're the ones that aren't advanced and uh, civilized yeah. when we pollute the oceans and we invade other countries. And yeah, I think maybe what 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 you're getting at here is the the abundance of comfort and the removal of uh, like this kind of need to actually survive in an environment, although there is obviously benefits to be drawn from creating comforts. If there's too much of that, then it's almost like the human begins to explore its options of what else it can start doing. And that's when things get quite chaotic. Yeah, it's just gratification, gratification. Like for yeah, example, gra yeah. even in the scenario, if there was like an evil dictator, well, I'm pretty sure it's gratifying to achieve that level of power, you know, whereas somebody might be truly gratified going to the Vegas casinos and gambling their life savings on, on the slots. Like gratification is different for everybody, but we're kind of like at a level right now of consciousness evolution where everyone's just seeking gratification everyone's just yeah. seeking you know it's like all oh, the american dream how we talk about it here in america like everybody wants that house and that fence that's great there's nothing wrong with wanting that but what i'm just kind of getting at is i don't think nature is evil no i think that we are at a point of development where we have forgotten like the true meaning of nature and why we're really here and that's about spiritual development I'm not saying go be a monk and live in the woods, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's why I'm excited about things like uh, psychedelic research kind of coming back to the forefront and also just the types of studies that are being done into things like the fungal mycelial network and realizing, mm -hmm. oh, hang on mm -hmm. a second, there seems to be some sort of intrinsic internet of information exchange going through the planet that's mirroring in form and function the human brain in the same way that the human brain's passing information and nutritional information through its system these things are connecting the plants together they're communicating with each other through it and it's like oh is that is that a brain is that the brain of the planet? is that the neural makeup of the planet and why is it that this neural makeup can focalize into these kind of 
bodies and fruit up and become what we call mushrooms. And some of them, you when you eat, eat a piece them, of it, and then it does that to your brain. What's going on there, guys? Like, you know, I mean, come yeah. on, it seems pretty evident to me that, it, it, you know, when you look at the fact that the human brain is basically very similar, it's almost like we're just a little condensed version of the planet's mind. It's like the planet has created these little nodes. We're, we're, the, we're like a crystallized version yeah, of yeah. the planet's we're, mind. Yeah. We're, like a, we're like a vehicle for the nature of this planet to explore its surroundings and its environment in a way that generates self-awareness. And you've got this kind of copy of the planetary mind created in this little structure that we've got inside our heads. And and mm -hmm. when and it exactly is, as you said, because they've discovered that psilocybin cubensis can cause neural genesis or neural avalanching, this whole idea that if you've got blockages in your neural pathway and your communicatory pathways, which happens to all of us through trauma and suppression of, uh, of bad uh, memories and all sorts of things create behavioral cycles and, uh, and these pathways get blocked or misused or damaged these things repair it, they repair that neural structure. So it's, it's, we, we're so we are so symbiotic with the nature of this planet. I mean, we we've fallen out of balance with it. But even still, we still rely on the fruits and the, the you know, the, right. the, the minerals and everything comes from this planet. And we're, we're in a constant co-relationship with it. But we've drifted far away. From, I think the difference is, we're still in a co-relationship with it because we depend upon what it produces, but we've se we've severed our empathetic spiritual appreciation of it. It's now just, oh yeah, it's an apple and orange, it's wrapped in plastic. Right. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm gonna throw this plastic onto a park into a park mm -hmm. and let it just rot into the ground. Like, you know, we're still we're still completely dependent and symbiotic on the planet. We just don't give a shit about it anymore. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a great way to summarize what I was trying to say. Is like we've forgotten the true meaning behind empathy itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it's it's like if we just all had empathy, that's that's a very kind of like reductionist way to say it that I think makes a lot of sense. If we just were to reconnect with empathy and realize that all life around us is 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 no better or worse than us, but we're all equal, um, we we would achieve unity, you know. I, I think that's what it's about. Well, this is this is where I think that, you know, we were definitely better off when we were psychedelic uh, tribes because we genuinely <laughs> had this connection. And, and you know, I'm not I'm not just pushing psychedelics as the answer, but it's it's as Terence McKenna would say, I think it's, it's an uh, answer. It's an answer. It's, I don't think there is the answer. I think no. it's a great answer. You know, exactly. It's there's it, many the, answers to me. It's a very useful tool. It's a democratic tool because mm -hmm. everyone technically could meditate but most people don't want to and a lot yeah. of people don't even understand it and some people's minds are just built very differently and they really mm -hmm. struggle to get into those states and so i get a little bit frustrated when people say oh no you should just meditate like psychedelics aren't the answer it's like no 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 psychedelics are a really good tool for someone who would never consider meditation and they have a strong experience and then from there they may incorporate meditation into their life. And I know people who have been very analytically minded, who have had a strong psychedelic experience and have come out of that with a spiritual perspective and a completely different outlook and have then incorporated these methodologies of like meditation and, and mindfulness practices into their lives. So I think that psychedelic research coming up into the forefront now is a very interesting thing. It's almost like it's one of those little 
symptoms of the of the way the planet is reacting right now it's like okay look here's a little beacon of hope coming up maybe focus on this because you know i think that at the end of the day like you were saying it's empathy it's consciousness these are the things that we need to be capitalizing on more than anything and i think it doesn't matter what form it comes in if it's a psychedelic and it expands consciousness do it if it's just a practice and it expands consciousness do it if it's a technology and it expands consciousness do it do it like i just think that it it, whatever expands empathy and consciousness that is what we need to focus on doesn't matter what medium it comes through um you know that because we're in trouble we are in trouble and i think i think that like like we've said and we both feel that this is coming towards a conclusion that is actually optimistic in the end but we're still we have to lay that groundwork for it to come through and so i think we have to highlight the fact that right now we have a problem everyone like we really need to be more empathetic we really need to be more connected with each other and social media is anti-social media it's so divisive it's so unbelievably toxic online and i think that people need to be careful of that i've I, I literally, I tweeted today, I'm taking a break in bracket, like I'm taking a break and I'm not going back on for a while because I just, I just find that it gets me, it changes my personality. And I, I find it very strange actually, because I've never had something and I know I've drifted off into a bit of a tangent here, but I just find that it's, it's a weird little thread. Like I've never, I've never experienced anything so divisive but so subtly manipulative with social media where mm-hmm. I have to catch myself and go, holy shit, I'm being... I'm not being me. I'm being really like, I'm getting really aggressive and angry and, and frustrated. And, I, right. and and all these opinions are coming at me and I'm going, no, you're, you're wrong. And it's like, that's not me. I'm not like that. I really like to have conversations and dialogue. And there's something about like specifically Twitter where it just creates this division and, and I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. And, and the, the sad thing truly, well, it, it's a, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, but the, it's just crazy that the majority of news now is transmitted through social media. Right. right. And it's like, what's real and what's fake, you know, you're just bombarded constantly, constantly bombarded with information. It's pure overstimulation. And I think that's by design. And I don't think it's all bad. You know, social media has its uses, of course, but yeah, definitely playing with fire there. Um, I barely interact on social media anymore. Just make my posts about my show, try to just like spread some positivity and just walk away. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it's got to be. I want to bring it back to um, the lady real quick, because there's something I wanted to bring okay. up. Someone had, someone had asked me about this, um, and they told me that you believe there might be... Now, I know that you think there might be a connection between the lady and the god Hathor, um, mm-hmm. but also about cattle mutilations, that you feel that there's a connection between the lady, Hathor, and cattle mutilations. Is that right? No, I've never said that. Oh, okay. Someone someone said that... I think it was something... Someone's the lines probably of- trolling you. <laughs> Oh, no, no way. Yeah, Screw, yeah. Uh, no. No, I've well, never said that. I th- I think it was something along the lines of um, because of like the the kind of the bovine relationship with the whole god of Hathor and the lady and this whole idea of there being this bull and then maybe the cattle mutilations was something basically mocking or making a mockery or like some sort of ritual mockery of the god Hathor by that's a very cool theory yeah. but I didn't come up with it okay all right there was I yeah, think yeah. It was one of, I think it was one of my patreons so I don't think they were trolling very cool theory that. though I I really liked that take I, at first I thought you were saying like they were saying that the lady was mutilating cows oh, and I was like no 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 but I could see how they would be doing that how how you know if if there were these black ops like CIA type programs or whatever um doing this to try to put out if cattle mutilation is even real i don't know i'm not going to say it's not real that would be really dumb i haven't you know i don't know 
but well, if it's it, even real sure i could see why they would do that i mean it's it's interesting isn't it i mean like you know because like Stephen Greer, you got to take with a pinch of salt. But you know, one yeah. of the things that he said is that yeah, that there are these you know paramilitary groups that go out and they commit cattle mutilations. And it just makes me think, you know, you're, you're talking about how there is this really dark counter group to the Aquarian Enlightenment narrative that is trying to push against that. And it's like, right. well, maybe they would make a mockery of the god that seems to represent the age of Aquarius and the shift over, and they'd be like, you know, butchering cattle. But it seems like a bit of a, I don't know. I mean ceremonies are ceremonies right these rituals get weird yeah. and I, I i don't want to say that it's not possible because people do some crazy stuff in in ritual behavior. right yeah like i'm not going to say that's not possible but yeah. I, I certainly didn't originate that theory very cool to answer the other part of their question um she actually told my father her name was hathor like she, the oh, she said entity. that she said that she said her name was hathor she said the hidden one is amun Ra. um yeah that so that's that's why i say that yeah hmm. The hidden one is Amun Ra. Is, is that like an ominous statement? Like that's a bad. Like, is that a bad thing? No, no, no. That, that's that's like if you could conceive what God is, it would it would be like how they oh. depicted Amun Ra, right. like the visible and invisible light that all reality itself and life and creation comes from. Dual duality, yeah. Yeah. you know, all of it. Yeah. Actually, the ancient the ancient mystery version of Amun Ra. So people misunderstand what the egyptian deities truly were they were not like animal headed beings that's how it was depicted in hieroglyphs so that we could understand the elements of nature that they corresponded with they were actually forces of nature they were known as the neter or the neteru and amun ra was like the neter the neter like n-e-t-e-r neteru would be like the plural version of that like right. the neteru um that's that's what they were called in ancient times and they were understood as the actual forces of nature itself. They, they they didn't actually worship like anthropomorphic figures walking around with like these buff chiseled chests with like a bird head. That's that's an artistic icon. Oh man! You know, it, right? Nice. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> it'd be a cool movie, but it would be a cool movie. You know, back in those days, they they had this this symbolic language because a picture says a thousand words, right? And it's right. the common vernacular at the time. They just all understood that was intrinsically implied. And anyway, so the ancient understanding of Amun-Ra is, is basically consciousness. It's it's like there's there's the physical sun that animates all life, which is true scientifically. You know, like even like Carl Sagan popularized this. You're made of star stuff. You you know the elements in your body only can exist because of the conditions yeah. presented by the heat of the sun, right? So you, in a way, if if you wanted to be like metaphorical, you're kind of like the child of the sun. Right, right right and also like if you want to be even more following that train of thought you're kind of like the child of the earth and the sun mm. right you know that's that's how they understood it back then and they had these these multiple layers of subterfuge behind their mystery systems sure yeah the sun is our father well when you break it down from the spiritual scientific understanding that's actually true um and anyway so they had the concept that there is a sun a celestial entity that all life manifests from on the physical plane but also in the spiritual plane life is manifesting from the star sirius there's like this invisible realm and that's represented as amun the invisible and ra the visible it's just consciousness it's just you know that's it one one other thing as well um with with hathor because uh 
it, it, it seems it seems to have like negative connotations. Is that right? Like there seems to be like negative connotations around around like these types of gods within. I mean, I, I think people just see it as the occult, right? They just see it as the occult. They but see it that way. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. it's just a, an interpretation of because like Hathor is is of itself, I guess, just an interpretation. I mean, you, you're saying the lady says its name is Hathor, but is 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 that even a you know is that just a human concept? Here's what I think about that. So I, I, I really do think there was an Atlantean period where, like, I think that the earth and the human race goes through multiple cycles, probably about 26,000 year cycles, and then we get wiped out, and then there's another one. I think that just life is constantly evolving, just like the Hindus called it samsara, right? Like the wheel of reincarnation, or they called them the yugas, the four ages of, of life in the universe. And at the end of the age, it's kind of like, redone people evolve whatever and then boom there's another cycle they start back at ground zero possible i don't know but i believe that the pyramids and the egyptian um kind of like mystical artifacts and, and 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 um landmarks and things like that are put there to contain imagery and metaphor that can stand the test of time throughout these cycles it can be there forever so like if you think of the oldest iconography of the divine or the deity, um, Egyptian is is one of, if not the oldest, and then also including like Babylon and, and Hindu. And I think if you were to just like get a piece of paper and you were to write down all of the religions around the world, right? Like and all of their symbols and what they mean and just kind of like compare this list and you were to look at uh, the oldest ones, I think the older and farther back you go, particularly like to like Egypt, um, I think the last people probably had that model too. Maybe they put it there. They don't know how old the pyramids are. Mm. As a matter of fact, there's evidence on the top of them that they had um, uh, withstood extreme heat scorching from severe, like catastrophic level heat flashes of the sun that probably would have devastated all life on earth. And yet they're still there, you know? <laughs> and um, anyway, so yeah, I think these stories are put in these pyramids and they're contained there forever so that every cycle can have access to them and kind of like figure out what they are and what they mean. So if I was an entity, if I was an actual entity that existed in a realm that was, you know, far more infinitely more advanced than the physical realm, and I was going to go talk to some little dummy, and I'm not saying my dad's a dummy, but I'm just saying like from the from a spiritual being, this this person's a dummy. I got to make it real simple, right? I got to make sure he understands what the hell I'm talking about. I would probably give an Egyptian name too, because it's so old. It's so ancient. It's been there. You know, it's it, it's just it's not going away like that symbol has been there. Yeah. Jesus, for example, I probably wouldn't give that name. It's only been around 2000 years, Yeah. you know, or I wouldn't give the name like Buddha. I wouldn't I wouldn't give that. I, I don't know. It just makes sense to me. The more I think about it and the more I think, like, why do they give these Egyptian names? I, I think maybe there's something to them. They've been there a very long time. I can't wait to go to Egypt, man. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm go. I'm going out there in uh, May. Oh, nice, cool. Are you gonna go see like Giza and the pyramids and stuff? Doing the whole thing. I'm doing uh, doing uh, thirteen days, and uh, we're going from Cairo to Luxor to Aswan, um, visiting the wow. uh, the Giza pyramids. Yeah, it was one of one of my uh, one of my friends in one of the in it, within the research community because it's kind of like an esoteric group. So, the, have you ever heard of the guy Johnny Enoch? Mm -mm. 
Yeah, he's he's one of those guys on Gaia. Like he, he, he I think he talk, mm -hmm. he does like presentations on like uh, ancient Egypt and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a very esoteric based tour, um, and it's all kind of been pre organized. So we're being That's taken cool, out man. to all these different places. Yeah, but it's like really focused on the Hermetic principles, uh, the idea of perhaps ancient technologies. It's it's a very non mainstream tour. Uh, which is exactly what I wanted. So yeah, um, it was meant to be March, but they've uh, delayed it because of like uh, you know COVID at the time, and and it's been pushed back. Right. So going in May, but yeah, dude, like it's the first time I've ever been to Egypt. You know, experience of a lifetime, and uh, I'm gonna be documenting that for sure. Oh yeah, that's that's incredible. That's really cool. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. crazy. Like when when you dive deeper into Egypt, which I'm sure you have, but you know, for the listeners' sake. Um, there, there are layers of subterfuge to the Egyptian systems too. Like they, they had a very in-depth understanding of psychology and how it right. mixes with the spirit. They had a whole magical system that was based on words you speak. And, and people understand that as like, oh, you speak a word and then just like reality changes. It's like Harry Potter. It's like magic. But no, the way they understood it was you speak certain words that carry these vibrations that have been around for a long, long time. We've really forgotten what words are, you know, mm -hmm. and how 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 amazing it is that we have the ability to, um, on a subconscious level, compute these geometric symbols in our brain, known as letters and words, spell them out, and then we summon the breath from our lungs. Spell them out. Spell, spell them, out. them out. Yeah, that yeah. was intentional. And yeah. then we summon the breath from our lungs, flap our tongue around our roof of our mouth and yeah. our teeth in a certain way that arranges the vibrations in the air yeah. around us shoot it at you and you you catch that wave and you understand the geometric symbols that i was thinking of too right and by the way those geometric <laughs> symbols contain deep metaphorical meanings right so we really don't know what words are and there's actually a concept of the twilight language i'm not sure if you've heard of that it's like the idea that there was an ancient language long ago before the tower of babel like the true language like you know, well, like what the, the gods would communicate with, even though I, I, I don't, you know, necessarily believe there's gods like that. I, I think it's consciousness and yeah, entities yeah. manifest from that. But anyway, so it, it's the belief that there are certain words that we've forgotten as a species that might contain really powerful vibrations and that when spoken in a certain rhythmic cadence could alter your own subconscious mind. So you could just kind of like hack your brain a little bit and believe like, you know, I really want this raise. Well, Maybe I really want the raise because, you know, at, like at a job, because the problem is, um, or like take a step back, like I really want this raise or the, whatever, I want to achieve this thing, but I'm holding myself back from these like limiting negative self-beliefs. What if there were ways we could like change our subconscious mind to like clear those negative belief systems out? And the Egyptians had a whole system for that yeah. called Heka, speaking certain words to alter your subconscious mind and kind of like therefore affect reality through your beliefs your subconscious beliefs very advanced spiritual system i think i think it makes i think it makes a degree of sense at least to me it makes sense and i i guess because i draw upon you know uh, how i feel certain things have been manifested into my life based on yeah. my my output my emotional output beliefs. and my beliefs um that's why I think this whole idea, this whole idea of contacting the phenomenon, it's very difficult because I do think everyone can do it, but I don't think everyone can do it. If that makes sense, um, it does. because because if you don't, if you don't have that belief, I was very lucky in a sense. Although I guess you could also say guided. Uh, you know, I kind of not quite sure, but certainly lucky in the sense that. I got introduced into the idea that consciousness could contact the phenomenon 
off of the back of a research journey through consciousness that ended with me basically sitting on my bed and, and saying out loud to the universe, I have literally no idea why I'm bothering to even learn these things because none of it seems to apply to my real life and I need evidence of this applying to my real life. How can I under, how can I take these concepts that I've been absorbing and how can I apply it, do something real that is evidence of this actually existing? Um, and then within a few weeks, I was introduced to this idea of contacting the phenomenon. And so for me, it was like an, it was like an answer to a prayer, you know? So I have to, I have to acknowledge that not everyone's had that type of journey. I was just very fortunate that the way in which it happened for me, it me meant that when I was out there in that garden, I had no doubt. I had literally no doubt. I was like, yeah, like literally I've, I asked for something and it's been given to me. So going to get into that state, going to project my thoughts. I know something's going to happen and it happened. So like, I think that there, there's that foundational level, which is frustrating of <sighs> belief, faith. We have to call it that, I guess, to a certain extent. I think that there are certain ways to explain it scientifically, loosely around quantum mechanics and consciousness. And, you know, we have rough models, but really there is this underlying, especially if you're actually trying to have an experience with something else that you, you're not going to have it if you don't believe it's possible. Yeah. You know, what's crazy about that, Jay, is the, the night in 2007, uh, uh, when my dad had his first experience, he actually, you know, at the time he was a, a, a like a fundamental believing Christian. Yeah, he he yeah. didn't think about UFOs. He was a businessman, lost his business. But he, he didn't think about this. And he, he just said a prayer. He said, God, you know, either heal me or just like kill me, take my life away. I'm at the end of my rope here and, and, and I can't go on unless, unless you, you help me change it. And then he had his experiences. So wow. Wow. It, it was like literally a prayer was answered. And um, I, again, like, I don't, I don't want people to think that what I'm trying to say is just like, just go pray, like how we're taught in church. I think that fundamentally as a species, we've, we've forgotten what that really is. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of been like turned into this iconography of like, you send a request and then God answers and boom, bingo, you, you don't got to do anything. You just pray. But in reality, I think through your consciousness, you can interface with these beings through intention yeah. through belief through you know sometimes if you speak things the vibrations may be a little stronger so yeah I, to a degree i do believe in prayer but i i wouldn't say i pray every night like forgive me for my sin like that's not you know i don't i don't think that's helpful I'm I'm the, I'm the same though i mean like cuz i'm i'm not christian i don't i don't I have that type of belief structure um I use the word pray because it's the only word I can really use other than I guess yeah. like manifest, but it's, it's more like, you know, just kind of speaking my thoughts out loud to something that I genuinely yeah. believe can listen. But it's, to me, it's an interesting thing. Like the, the idea of like, do prayers get answered? I think that, I think that it, it's, it's this strange thing of it. It does. Obviously it requires action from you. Like it's word, yeah. it's thought, it's word, it's deed. It's that whole thing of like, yeah, you can ask for something, then things might come up in your life. It's your it's your responsibility to interpret those things and move into a situation that kind of aligns with what you've been asking for. And I do think that like, I do think that when you ask for something, situations can be presented to you that would allow you to filter into getting what you wanted, but it doesn't just arrive at your feet. You can't just sit on your bed and ask for, you know, a million pounds and, and eventually right, right. Suddenly arrive in the check, but you might, if you want, that, that would be black hold, magic, right? That would be black magic. But if you, if you hold that intention in your mind and then you pay attention to how you live your life and you, you know, you kind of interact in a way that feels like it's in alignment with that goal, that's, I think, how you manifest that stuff. But it doesn't happen without you moving. It doesn't happen without right. you actually 
experiencing life and 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 moving with life and uh, i think that's where people get hung up it's like well you know i've asked for loads of things and it's never happened it's like yeah but it, it, it's not necessarily you didn't do anything about, exactly you didn't do anything and you have to actually yeah. act and that can be difficult because life is cryptic man and like you know symbols and, and signs and little reminders can come up and they can be very cryptic and i think it depends sometimes on the kind of person you are if you're a very analytical person and you don't have a lot of um i guess kind of like intuitive intelligence you might not recognize a lot of the signs because there isn't that resonance of like oh i re i feel that i feel what that means to me but if you do have that intuitive intelligence i think that you're you, you're more able to pick up on subtle signs in life I, I i find that that's that's you know the case a lot of the time but um yeah it's it's a it's a it's an interesting thing man the whole the whole idea of praying and 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 manifestation and and yeah i just think that at least from my own perspective, if I look back on what's happened to me in my own life, I have to recognize that there are examples of, of that kind of thing. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, your, your, your body, your, your biological system is like a microcosm of this large sprawling universe. I mean, if you scale all the way up and all the way down, and I'm talking like in your imagination, you know, you couldn't do this with a machine. It'd be impossible. But if you just imagine in your mind, like what's the biggest you can conceive of the universe, right? Like mm -hmm. galaxies and galaxies and galaxies and black holes and whatever. Or if you go the other way and you take your mind and just imagine what's the smallest thing? Is it an atom? Is it now we've figured out it's smaller than an atom? It's subatomic atoms and quarks and things like that. And if you look at all those different examples on the spectrum of life, very big and very small, you know, you'll realize that it's all a system at every level of reality that works together, that needs each other to, to harmonically exist. Like even the galaxy is, is made up of all the solar systems and all the planets, everything that's even nameable or observable in the universe is part of a system. And anyway, so that would be kind of like the understanding of the Egyptian concept as above, so below, like reality is an ever expanding fractal spiral, like at every level, it mirrors the higher and the lower levels. And um, so anyway, so your body is no different. It's a macro or excuse me, it's a microcosmic universe. And in some way, when you attune yourself, your spirit, your mind and your body to that macrocosmic larger understanding of like consciousness and that there is infinite life out there and intelligence behind that, in some way, it's going to respond to your little microcosmic existence. And it's going to subtly rearrange things in your life so that you can um, achieve the things that you need, right? But people don't really understand. You, you you can't just you can't just like wish for something and then you get it. That's not how it works. That that would be like black magic. I mean, people need to understand that you know you 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 should ask for what you need, not the things you want. What do you need? Do you and really need a million pounds? No. That's what you usually get as well. You get what what you, you need, need and, you and what you can handle. Necessarily know what you need. You know what. I'll give you an example and it's a personal example but why not like it's been a pretty difficult time for me recently because i live in uh I, I'm, I live in a little well city but on the outskirts of a city called nottingham i've lived here for a few years and i moved here um because of my best mate my best friend and uh, you know we've been like best friends for like nine years and i moved here pretty much to be close to him because we were starting up this like clothing company at the time and oh, cool. it's been a whole thing but recently, like we had uh, like a series of arguments about stuff and we're like not talking and we haven't mm. been talking for quite some time. And it's like a first first time this has happened. 
And, you know, it's been a very difficult situation for me to kind of process. And I've gone through a lot of emotions and it's been a you know really difficult time, to be honest. But <laughs> like I've been recognizing that for a long time to be like for quite a few months or months, I've been thinking, you know, I need to do this. I need to do this or like that. Or, you know, I really need to kick this into gear and I'm just sitting here and I'm not doing it. And then I'll distract, I'll distract myself by kind of going and seeing my friend all the time and it just got to a point where I think it was it was more about distracting myself um, from like doing things that I need to be doing. And so this situation's occurred now and God bless him, I love him and I know he loves me, but we both have had to just kind of like split apart from each other. And it's been this really weird situation of like recognizing, oh, wow, yeah, I asked for this. I needed this. This is actually the thing that, because over the past few months i've been kind of doing things i need to do and kicking myself into gear and 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 being proactive in those things that i wasn't doing before and it made me realize like oh yeah you know that's that's what's happening now and so i just wanted i wanted to be honest about it because i want people to realize that like those types of situations where it's it's really it's really tough and it's really emotionally turbulent those are actually yeah. the most most important situations to it's focus like training on. grounds it's it's the training grounds and you've got it you've got to yeah. find that positivity within it and go look these mm -hmm. are the reasons why this kind of thing is happening and i think too many people struggle to do that and so they blame everything around them and they don't understand why something's happening and you've got you've got to and you've got to self-reflect you've got to look back and you've got to realize that these are the the ways in which you're growing and developing and, and strengthening as a human being is you have to go through these kind of ups and downs in life and you've got to recognize them when they come so yeah, it's like with this situation, I'm trying to take the positive from it as much as I can by focusing on myself. And then through doing that, realizing that this situation was the catalyst for me to focus on myself. And it's like, okay, so there's some good positives there. But it's bitter with the sweet. That's life. That's life. Yeah. Yeah. The way I like to relate that is like a very literal example. I, I tell people this all the time. And it's like, you know, you join the army or you join the military, right? and you're training to become a soldier, forget about the killing part. Like, obviously I don't want people to go kill people, but just, just, you, you know, you're training to become a soldier or like a police officer or a fireman or something, a very tough, rigorous career. What do they do? They put your ass in boot camp and they make you do thousands of push-ups throughout mm -hmm. these, this many weeks and, and running dozens of miles and, and just like put you through this grueling physical hell. But by the time you come out on the other side of it, you're a soldier now. You're very strong. You're very capable. You trained for this. You're ready for this now because you were put through the fire, so to speak. And you know, that, that, that led you, you kind of recruit earlier and now you've come out on the other side and you're like gold. And that's sort of like the same with the emotional and the spiritual. Like when you go through these really tough times, it's like boot camp for the soul, you know? Yeah. You, you're, you're like being refined. You're, you're, you're going to come out on the other side stronger if you understand that. That's the thing is yeah. understanding it. And that's that, you yep. know, it's like, for me, that's come with time and my God, have I, you know, am I at the point where I fully understand? No, no, I don't think right. any real humans can fully be like, oh yeah, I understand every, every little vibe in my life. It all just yeah. you know, flowing yeah, yeah. completely. It's like, no, like, you, you know, you, you know, you problems happen and you, you think of them as problems, but the more that you can recognize the good in within that, it's so important. And I think that the more you do that, it prepares you for unfortunately the next inevitable one because that is life it's this up and down so you've got to kind of get yourself mm -hmm. strengthened and then the next time something happens 
you can move through it with less turbulence, less less emotional turbulence than you would have perhaps three, four years ago when you didn't have the same kind of uh, you know kind of blueprint. But if you if you mm-hmm. if you if you if you build from those experiences, if you learn from those experiences, then it definitely makes things a little bit easier as things go on. Um, something I wanted to ask you about though, man, just kind of like detracting away from that. And how are we doing? Because I've I've still got the listener questions to ask. Are you good to kind of keep going for a bit? Yeah. Do you mind if we like take a quick cut and I use the restroom? To, dude, totally. Let's let's do that now. Let's do that now. Good to go. All right, we're good to go. Yeah. So for anyone who's just noticed a jump cut, we've uh, we just had a quick toilet break and we're gonna plug on. We've still got a few got a few more questions for you, and then we'll jump into some of the uh, Patreon and uh, and community questions. How how do you, how do you feel about secret societies? Um, do you think do you think there are genuinely good secret societies with pure intentions? Do you think that they're all bad, or you know, is there is there a place for them? I don't think they're all bad. I think um, it's complicated. Like on the one hand, I do not appreciate how like secrets are held from the world, but that's coming from someone who has grown up uh, in a life of secrecy. And is desperate to tell it to as many as possible, you know, as many people as possible. I do think that I understand on some fundamental level that there can be a need for secrecy for some of the things that are contained by these secret societies. Like, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that they're all bad. I do think there are good ones. I really like so far. I have not dived or dove all the way into the Rosicrucians, but so far I really like what I've read about them. Freemasons are probably uh, the most complicated one out there because, like, on the one hand, people think that they're just like, you know, the Illuminati, they're like running the world. And, like, sure, there's there's been like 14 U.S. presidents that were 33 degree Freemasons. And, you know, like it's speculated like Walt Disney and major entertainers. And, like, on the other hand, it's like I don't necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, if I was a powerful dude, I would probably join a powerful secret society as well and get a leg up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think secret societies are really cool. I've spent the last 10 years studying them, and there are some bad ones like the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis. Um, they have some very disgusting um, ritual um, initiations in some of their degrees, very nasty stuff, like things I wouldn't even want to say on your show. And then there are other ones like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and really all they do is they're just trying to figure out how to like use higher levels of consciousness to manifest things in reality. Like I, I don't think that they're all evil. I think that there is an extreme stigma because yeah. of the veil of secrecy. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's the exclusivity. It's the veil of secrecy around it. And uh, yeah. I think I think it was in the Hermetic teachings, which w- where it was like uh, meat for the men, milk for the babes or something like that. That was mm-hmm. the whole idea of, you know, that there are certain concepts that the, the vast majority just don't need to understand. And we're going to have our group where we can kind of subtly influence humanity through these societies. And I think that there is obviously positive and negative connotations because it depends on the agenda of those societies although you know speaking uh, from just knowing one high level freemason and rosicrucian my good friend john majorowski he is a beautiful john. human being so yeah you know, very sure nice there are lots of good people within these uh within these groups yeah. as well i do know um that at the highest levels of ufo ufology um freemasons are involved i know that for a fact um and as well as mormons believe it or not. I mean, Mormons, if we're just going to call it what it is, Mormonism is is basically like a very large mainstream secret society. And actually they use Freemasonic practices. That's mm. not very commonly known, but Freemasonry has kind of like been embedded into the 
the heart of, of well, Mormonism. Well, Senator Harry Reid was a Mormon, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure Senator Reid was a Mormon. Hmm. And, um, I didn't know that. Brandon Fugel, obviously from Skinwalker. Brown. Oh, I didn't know that. And also there's a guy named, um, I can't remember his name, Joe Firmage. Joe Firmage. Joe Firmage, a, a big player in ufology kind yeah. of behind the scenes. Yeah. And, um, you know, for anybody who who hears that, like, the, you know, the meat for the men and the, what was it, the milk for the babes or milk whatever? for the babes, something like that, yeah. Well, even Jesus, you know, even Jesus had a secret society with his disciples. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't explicitly say, I have a secret society, but what he said was... Um, you know, you never cast pearls before swine. That doesn't mean you don't throw, you know, little stones at a pig. What he was saying was a metaphor for you take these deep esoteric philosophical truths and you don't throw them to the profane who won't understand them and they'll, you know, hate you for it. Well, if social media has taught me anything, that's bloody true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other thing he said, he very explicitly says in one of the scriptures, um, again, I like a student of the esoteric doesn't, neglect the bible yeah, it is in exactly. itself it's an esoteric of the, yeah it's a part of right the whole it's an esoteric document and freemasons teach a lot about jesus as well as rosicrucians they teach it from like the esoteric and the gnostic yeah, angle yeah. but one of the things that jesus actually historically said if if these documents are even true um in the new testament was that he divulges his true secrets to his disciples and then when he goes and speaks in the public he uses metaphor i think it was the apostle peter he said, why, why do you speak a metaphor? He said, well, you know, something to, I can't quote it verbatim. I'm not a pastor for God's sake, but he said something to the effect of like the metaphor is for the masters. I mean, the, the, the masses and, you know, to you, to, to my disciples who, who truly are worthy is who I'll tell the secrets. So, yeah, I, I just think that that's a function of reality. Like yeah. there, there are these secrets that not everybody are ready for, but I think that we are now because we're entering the age of Aquarius. I think I think that a lot of things are going to come out, and they are. They 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 already are. What what are some of the um, some of the weirdest or maybe even disturbing encounters you or uh, your family have had with the intelligence community? Uh, disturbing. There there was an individual who put death threats on our family. Um, weird. I would say weird would be probably Tim Taylor, who's, right. you know, like I'm pretty sure most people know who that is. And I say weird because some of the things that he presented, like, you know, like he handed me these two pieces of exotic metal. He called them off planet. And when I held them in my hand, they sent electricity through my body. And he told us all kinds of things like time travel and he, he and, um, and like mind reading and that they have all these technologies and things like that. And he told us all kinds of crap. Like we're constantly being remote viewed. We constantly have a spy satellite over our house watching us at all times. Like he's told us a lot of things like that. Do I believe it? No. I think if I was in the department of defense and there was this family in North Carolina, who's just really good Southern people who believe in just like sharing with their community and have that good old Southern hospitality. I mean, we literally let everybody in the door even the death threat people, even the weirdos, we just let them come in and hear them out. And if I was in the department of defense, I would probably want to scare the hell out of that family too. So they're scared to go speak. It, it apparently didn't work on me, but. Yeah. Well, do you, this is something, right? Do you think that these are rogue elements operating kind of outside of their respective agencies authority? Cause it would seem to me that like domestic operations of intimidation on American citizens would be considered like highly illegal. I mean, you would think so, but does, does the CIA really answer to anybody? I mean, have they ever? Didn't, didn't yeah. they kill JFK when he started saying he was going to tear him apart? You know? 
So these, like the ones that were actually threatening, they actually said they were from the CIA. Let me clarify. The guy that came to our property was sent on behalf of an active, currently active and Googleable, researchable member of the CIA and the DIA. And I'm just not talking a pipsqueak. I'm talking a, a, a pretty higher rank individual who who has been involved with like briefing presidents and and, and can you can you name can you name them or no I, okay. I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm not comfortable like picking fights with people. That's yeah, that's yeah. just not I my personality. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um out of the people that we know of in the research mm -hmm. community, um, who do you think has the most information or the most knowledge about the phenomenon? My dad. I honestly believe that. My dad. And that was told to me by uh, Jim Simivan and Tim Taylor told my dad. They all have told him and uh, some other people from a, I'm not supposed to say their names, some undisclosed things, but from an agency connected to the CIA that is also well known, but I just don't want to disclose who they are at this moment. Um, and, and they all unanimously agree that like your dad's the guy he, he, he might talking to me, your dad's the guy he, the, the, you should listen to your dad. Like the way that what was told to me is particularly by Jim Simivan, the way that your dad understands this phenomenon and the way that it's put in his head and the way that these entities communicate with him is given to him in that way so that he can tell the world with clarity, with, with, with real genuine truth. Like it, it, the way that it's coming to him is the way that it is. They know that in the intelligence agencies, they believe it. There's a lot of people out there that say they have these experiences. And it's like, man, I talked to a lady who said that she's taken underground every Friday by the CIA molested and then passed around to the reptilians and they molest her. And I'm like, are you serious? No. I don't, I don't believe that at all. You know, like there's a, there's a lot of crap out there. Well, this but... is what I was saying before about the fact that within this specifically within this type of research community, you just, it's a, it's an open floodgate to every yeah. paranoid delusional person that exists on planet earth. And obviously, you know, within that, yeah. there are these gems of real, uh, but you have to sift through a lot of crap to, to kind of find that. Yeah. And I think that's what put what that's what puts a lot of people off is it's just on the surface level. There's just so much madness. I mean, I, I find it stressful and I've I'm an experiencer and I believe in the phenomenon and I believe in, you know, a lot of people's experiences. But even I sit there sometimes just like I can't deal with these emails I'm getting from some people like, you know, have yeah. me on your show. I've done this, that and the other. And it's like I, I just yeah, there's a lot of it. There is a lot of it, um, you know, when my dad was at Cape Canaveral. But sorry to cut you off. But when when my dad was at Cape Canaveral with Tim Taylor, he took my dad through. Uh, he took him into mission control into the room where like the astronauts get ready. This is this is not a place where civilians can just go. Yeah, and I've seen the photos I, of that. Yeah, and I personally, you know, it's the crazy thing. People look at those photos and they're like, they're fake. Anybody can go there. Sure. Anyway, um, I suspect that they do this as kind of like a wine and dine thing. Like, hey, we're gonna buddy buddy up to you, so you're just kind of like chipper and just think we have your back and maybe they really do i don't know hasn't been indicated to me in a way that i believe yet um at least you know some individuals some of them in the cia have actually truly been incredibly kind to us i'm not you know disparaging everybody i've ever met but anyway so uh one of the things my dad asked them is like why do you guys come talk to me i'm just living my simple life having these experiences why do you guys need to come to me and ask me all these questions and it was either tim taylor at that instance, or it was Jim, I can't remember, um, told him, 
we come to you because the phenomenon does not interact with us and the government. They understand our intentions. They, 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 don't, they, they don't cooperate with us. We know they cooperate with you. We know the lady's real. We know these beings are real. We want to know why they co cooperate with you, what they're telling you, and what they want. And Tim actually made my dad write down um, a, a number of things that he experienced, like you know some of his prophecies, some of the, the other encounters. It actually took him to the Pentagon and, 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 and briefed Pentagon, I guess, employees or whatever on them. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if I was to pick a person who knew a lot of the phenomenon, I would definitely say Jim Semivan. He, he knows his stuff um, based on the conversations we've had. He, he very much personally and privately indicated to me that he understands that this is an interdimensional, ultra-terrestrial, whatever you want to call it, uh, phenomenon that created us, communicates to us through occult symbols, and that they exist on a level of manifestation that is far beyond our physical form. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would say Jim is a heavy hitter. Um, but, you know, they don't just come up and they don't just say, I know more than this guy. It's, it's kind of hard to answer that question, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, you know, you got these guys and they're saying this and then the way it's being rolled out within the public arena, congressional arena, is just not even close to the reality of the situation. I mean, you've had Lou Elizondo recently being a lot more consciousness orientated in. That's a good one, too, by the in, way. Interviews. He, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. really knows his stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, he's he's certainly started to speak a lot more about the consciousness side of it within interviews, which I think is quite interesting. is is a bit of a progression in in the way that it's being addressed. But yeah, we're we're a long way away from talking about ultra terrestrial creators and hyperdimensional objects and occult symbolism on CNN or Fox News. You know, that's a that's a long yeah. way away. So I don't really know what the um what the game plan is to address the nature of the phenomenon through that type of discussion i just don't think it's going to happen that way and, well in private these guys do talk about the occult like for example tim taylor had an ouroboros on a shirt hmm. and we're like you know what is that what what does that even mean and he explained that it's the cycle of eternal life you know it's the cycle just like what i was talking about earlier how like in you know in hinduism they called it the yugas the ages and, hmm. and the norse belief it was the ouroboros the serpent eating its tail and he explained like the triangle pointing up, pointing down. When you intersect intersect them, it makes the six pointed star. And you know, according to like sacred geometry and ancient occult, et cetera, et cetera, esoteric knowledge, it's really just like the masculine and feminine forces of reality merging. I actually learned all that stuff from these guys, mm -hmm. that particular yeah. information, and went and found out it was all legit. So, yeah, they do talk about the occult and private and um, consciousness and things like that. Yeah. How, how do you feel about uh, like the Vatican when it comes to esoteric and, and phenomenon related secret keeping, especially, I mean, you know, you kind of take into consideration uh, the secret archives, which I think contains like something like 53 miles worth of shelving yeah. to contain yeah. all of the historically sequestered documents and parchments and other artifacts that the Roman Catholic Church has uh, captured from all over the world. Like what, what's your position on on the Vatican? I think the Vatican is one of those institutions that has uh, mind controlled the world. If you really just want to get down to brass tacks, I Let's mean, get down to brass tacks. Yeah. I, I think that the Vatican um, has not been good for humanity. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, the Pope sits literally anybody can Google this. If they think I'm just bullshitting, the Pope sits on a golden chair or whatever. I don't know what color his chair is, but he sits on a fancy ass chair. 
he's got a freaking staff, a golden staff that's actually the, the scepter of Dionysus, the Greek god. He wears a hat on his head, which, by the way, comes from the Babylonian fish deity Dagon. I mean, he, he, he dresses like this total, like, ancient occult priest. And then it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's paganism woven into Christianity. Do I think paganism is inherently evil? No. Do I think Christianity is inherently evil? No. But what I do think is that the Vatican has totally tricked the world into believing their corporate version of Jesus, where like you got to go to church, you got to pay your yeah. tithes, you got to yeah. confess your sins. And back in the like 15 and 1600s or whatever, they were charging people, your auntie and uncle, they're in purgatory. If you pay us X amount of you know, gold coins or whatever, we'll get them out for you and we'll talk to God and try to get them to heaven. Like there's, there's just a long history of the Vatican doing very heinous, evil things. Yeah, one of the one of the creepiest things about the Vatican is the uh, well, is a lot of things, but one of the creepiest visual things is the uh, is a statue of of Christ's resurrection that's situated behind the stage of uh, I think it's Paul the Fourth's audience hall, and uh, yeah, you know the hall itself is very strange because from the outside the building looks very similar to the head of a viper, and inside the building, if you stand at the back and look towards the stage, and I'll put images up in posts so that people can see this. Yeah, and I, I've seen it. Yeah, it's a serpent's head. Yeah, the, the room looks like the head of a snake, and it's got two eyes on the sides, and the stage even looks like the jaw of a snake, and you've got two pillars uh, shaped like fangs on either side, which to me is kind yeah. of subtle symbology of preaching through the jaws of a snake, which seems, at least from a Christian perspective, kind of satanic and then yeah. behind the stage is a depiction of jesus christ that looks like it belongs on the front gate of marilyn manson's house i mean yeah, it's he's like most, in hell he's suffering the in most hell. disturbing and sinister looking depiction of jesus and I, I think the artist has said that it's depicting jesus rising up from a nuclear holocaust so that's what the that's what the artist says that it's depicting it's 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 depicting a, a, a 21st century resurrection of jesus coming up through a nuclear holocaust and and this goes back to this, this whole doomsday cult um yeah. idea that you know was given to your dad by the lady i think i think the vatican's probably one of the the chief runners of this type this doomsday cult yeah yeah i mean i think so too if, if we're just being honest and um it's crazy because like just just think about this just think about this i love jesus i think jesus was a real person i think he was a sage if you understand, I don't mean you, Jay, but just like the listener or whoever. Um, I think if you understand that there are other texts about Jesus that have come out to tell a completely different story mm, yeah. that he was talking about, like consciousness and reincarnation. And there's actual historical evidence that the earliest Christians were, in fact, um, walking around ancient Judea talking about reincarnation. As a matter of fact, it got so widespread that the um, the emperor Justinian or Justinius, not sure how to spell his name, in about 545 A.D., literally outlawed reincarnation from the Christian doctrine. Cause even the Pope at the time was, was um, heavy into teaching reincarnation. And anyway, so when you take into this account, how Christianity itself was just totally mutilated and, and, and just slaughtered and conformed by the Holy Roman Vatican empire. Think about this. What if there really were a group of people back then? I mean, there were, but like, just what if these people really did witness this guy get tortured and murdered Jesus Christ and he resurrected, right? And then the Holy Roman Empire makes an icon of that. And everybody has to worship their slaughtered God on their shirt with Jesus bleeding and suffering on a cross. It's it's kind of like worshiping death. It's very morbid. Yeah. Yeah. It's very evil. And by the way, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood every Sunday. Eat the bread and drink the wine. You're just slurping on his blood out of his veins. And then you're going to eat his flesh real quick. It's a very, it's a very, I don't know. That's very like 
black metal. It's very, I don't know. Well, when yeah. you when you start to kind of break it down like that, it definitely starts to feel like, oh, that's that's a weird approach to your yeah, kind of. And... It's like it's like you know why not why not just wear an electric chair on a necklace? It's like capital right? punishment, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm being profane or whatever, but I believe Jesus was a very incredible individual who, according to the Gnostic texts, he traveled all around and he learned from like Egypt and India and Greece and Persia. Right mastered their mysteries and he came back and he started speaking about the higher god of light and when you understand the truth that we're all just spiritual beings having a physical experience when you understand that you just you don't really need to reincarnate anymore you yeah. know you kind of won the game you you, you got to be you the the esoteric meaning of jesus for anybody who thinks damn he really hates jesus no 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 i love jesus i think jesus is a figure real or not it doesn't matter the way that jesus is depicted and portrayed if you consciously right now decide to live your life from the principles and concepts that were attributed to Jesus, like loving other people, loving yourself, forgiveness, mercy, if you, if you vibrate with those attitudes and, and attributes, you're going to, you're going to figure it out. You, you're, you're going to reach enlightenment. You're going to reach happiness, joy, whatever. Um, yeah. I think, I think the energy behind Jesus is very real. Do I believe the Vatican version? Hell no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are the these you know it's the ascended masters, isn't it? I mean, it's you know, it's, yeah. Buddha, it's Krishna, it's it's Jesus, it's it's Hermes Trismegistus, it's it's all of these uh, individuals and 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 yeah. names of Buddha. And, you know, I, I, it it it's. Uh, I think we get in trouble when we kind of go, no, it's just this one person. They are the yep. only person we should listen to. It's like no, no, no. Let's take all of these opinions. Let's take all of this information from across the world, from across cultures, and let's combine mm. it together and see where we go. Should we jump into some questions from Patreon and sure, uh, sure. whatever you want, man. It's only, it's only six o'clock for me. So you're all right, I'm, cool. I'm, all right. Yeah. Well, this, this might be another hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hopefully, sure. hopefully not, but uh, I do have quite a few questions. People, people like you, Ryan, people want to hear about what you have well, to say. I, that makes me happy. Yeah. And uh, for everyone listening as well, if you want to join a fast growing social hub of researchers and experiences, please consider signing up to become a Patreon of Project Unity. You'll gain access to our Discord server where we all communicate with each other. We share ideas, we share research. It's a really good space for uh, discussions on all sorts of topics. So uh, a link to the Project Unity Patreon can be found in the description box below. So the first one up is from Max Power. Uh, Max Power actually had a, a few questions for you. Uh, first one is, can you expand at all on the lady's prophecy that it will get darker until spring 2026 when the world will enter a new age? How do we maintain hope when already now things are quite awful? That, that's, that's a very good question. Like, I understand exactly what he's asking, but I just want to clarify. Like, here's the thing. The lady never gave a date. The lady, all she gave was the alignment, the red star aligning with the gaze of the Sphinx and, um, a constellation Leo just before dawn, right? Now, some other researchers have said it's September 20, 2026. Initially, that's what they said. And then some other researchers said, no, it's actually March 2026. Do I know that anything is going to happen in 2026? No. Will the alignment happen? I, I personally don't know. I mean, you know, this researcher said it, this researcher said it. I'm, I'm confused at this point. But I will say this, um, according to the ancient Hindu astrological star chart you know remember we talked about the four yugas and how they had this complex system of like phases of of um, human consciousness going through these cycles right now according to that star chart we're in the kali yuga which is the age of darkness according to this like twelve thousand odd year star chart 
the Kali Yuga ends in what we know as 2025. So I think that's weird. I think that's okay. weird that the Hindu so Kali Yuga is kind of a, of... yep. there's kind of a connection there. Um, I think that really the only thing you can do is just hang on to hope and just realize like these beings are real. Many people around the world are seeing them, not just my dad and, and me and my family. Yes, we've seen them. Yes, we've seen them in a very extreme way, but we're not the only ones who see them. They're very real. Go on the internet, look up orb videos, look up UFO videos. Yeah, they're real. Yeah. What they're saying. They're real. Right. Yeah. Jay has seen them. What they're saying is real. And, um, you know, that's that's really all I have to go on. It's just hope that what they're saying is true. And, and you just got to find that in yourself to to figure that part out, unfortunately. Well, you know, it, it does feel like to me things are so intense that they can't last much longer. So I yeah. I feel like the 25, 26 could make sense. Hell, you know, maybe slightly later, but it's it's this idea of like, things are just so crazy now. I just don't think that it can hold on for like 10, 20 years of the same old yeah. bullshit. Like we're in, we're in the the circling of a vortex right now. You know, we're, we're kind of getting to that point. Another one from Max. Does Chris Bledsoe watch the news or has he turned away from that? Since he's such an empath, I can imagine that news is really hard for him. Yeah, there was a time like when he was watching the news pretty regularly, but lately, like especially through COVID because he has no immune system. He has, um, he has uh, shoot, rheumatoid arthritis and he was taking a chemotherapy pill for like five or six years or something right, like that, yeah. that, that destroyed his immune system, literally. So he was following that very heavily and it took a massive toll on him. Um, I, I, lately, we haven't really talked about the news at all. I think he's kind of like turned away from it, but he's, he's particularly wrapped up in his grandson, my nephew. So uh, a much brighter days lately. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Last question from Max is quite simply the Sphinx. What is it? Who built it? I have no clue. I mean, j just as much as the next guy, I, I would like to think that the Atlanteans, like I said earlier in the main show, I, I believe that it, it could have always been there and over time has been eroded through, you know, various means. I don't know, whatever happens with erosion. But um, I, I do know that it's probably older than what we're told in the mainstream understanding of history. I don't know what it is. I, well, I mean, what I think it is, is it's it's sitting there waiting to point at these astrological alignments that signify major times of change. Yeah, I don't know uh, who built it. I honestly don't. Yeah, I mean, uh, Graham Hancock feels very similar to you in in terms of the alignments because I think it was uh, they they figured out that it, it, it I, you know what I'm not even going to say because I'll mess it up. But I I remember that Graham Hancock was talking about uh, you know the whole alignment of the star systems with the Sphinx. So it's very it's very interesting. I mean, you know, the whole Egyptian architecture, like the, the pyramids being on true north, and it's it's all just a little bit too coincidental, isn't it? You know, for them yeah. to not have some sort of astronomical knowledge uh, going on. Oh, there. they definitely did. And oh, mathematical knowledge. And mathematical knowledge. Um, so the next one is from Brett. And Brett says that he would be keen to hear if Ryan has any ideas on what the great deception may be that the lady warned his father about. So we've kind of gone through that a bit, I guess, but if you've got anything extra. Yeah, well, for start, we did, we did say it again in the main show, but I'll clarify exactly what I think that great deception is. I think that great deception has been a multi-generational thing that's been going on for thousands of years, including with institutions like we just talked about, the Vatican, um, certain secret societies, certain secret societies, I don't think all, 
Um, I think some of them are truly good individuals, but they keep the knowledge secret, not for like means of control, but just because, you know, like if the way that we are as a human race right now, Christian Christianity, Judaism, and Islam are the dominant religions. And they, they have their like, their mold and anything that challenges that mold is evil or abhorrent or whatever. So I could see why some of this knowledge needs a level of secrecy. So they're not literally like killed or whatever, you know? Um, anyway, so what I think the great deception is, is the concept that all this bad stuff that's happening in the world, it, it let me phrase it this way. It's being made to happen to make humanity be in such a fearful state. Like, even if you look at history, haven't the Rothschilds funded every war, every yeah, major yeah, yeah. conflict since like the 1500s? They make these things happen. It's not just accident. I don't think countries in modern society just, oh, we're going to war. I don't think that's true. I think it's all made to happen. It's very scripted, just like the news is very scripted. Anybody who has a hard time swallowing that pill, just do research on American history. You'll see that the CIA purchased... Uh, the majority of American media in 1952, it's called Operation Mockingbird. What you see on TV and in the entertainment world and in, in the news world, it's like a play. It's like a script. And, you know, if you sit there and not the person asking the question, again, just speaking in the second person, if you sit there and eat that up, you're being tricked. I think that's the great deception. They're tricking you to understand their version of reality, which is a very hopeless, dark, bleak, random sequence of events that's always the next impending danger or cataclysm and um, by the way we all came from a biological ooze that crawled out of the ocean and were completely random and a, an explosion happened on an infinite particle 13 billions of years ago that created every bit of life in the universe it's all random it's all meaningless that's the great deception there is no god there is no consciousness that's the great deception right the scientific paradigm in the last hundred years has been like darwinism materialistic reduction. It's all climate change now. It's all these ecological disasters are going to destroy us. I don't think that's true. I think I think that everything in the last hundred years that's pushed on us as far as like threats and things like that, it's all part of a deception to keep us totally in fear and out of harmony with, with the rest of the human race. Next one is Mitch. And this is regarding the regression tapes of your dad. There is a moment where your dad mentions someone in the CIA believes he is the reincarnation of Merlin. Is Ryan able to expand on this at all? That's not in the re regression. I probably mentioned that as a side note in one of my regression episodes that that's not actually in the regression. Right. Okay. If you want me to be honest with you, they, they've said some weird things, man. They, they've said that they think he might be, and again, this is not us saying that this was the yeah, CIA. They, yeah. just, they just make these weird comments in private, but um, you know, they, they, they've hinted, you know, reincarnation of Moses, reincarnation of Merlin. Um, Dad actually did have a regression. And okay, so back in 2007, when he had his experience, he started having dreams of being Galileo locked up in, in like a, you know, cause Galileo in, in real history was locked up for the rest of his life for creating the telescope, um, locked up by the Vatican, mind you. And dad started having these dreams of being like Galileo. And he later had a regression and it, it, this is not a public regression. He's had four or five at this point. And it's only audio only, only us, dad and I have heard it. And the regressionist herself. And it was one of the things she said, like, are you the reincarnation of anybody historically significant? And the only thing that came up was maybe Galileo and Diana Walsh-Pasolka and Timothy Taylor, when they went to the Vatican and that little saga in their book, American Cosmic, for that reason, um, 
for you know for the insinuation that dad could be the reincarnation of galileo i mean i know it's weird but whatever we're here they took a photo of my dad and they put it beside the manuscript of galileo in the secret vatican archives so someone yeah. did make a comment about merlin yeah i remember i remember um your dad telling me about that when when i interviewed him actually yeah very interesting situation that whole thing um next one's from pro illusionist and we've kind of covered this but just in case we can gleam anything else uh ask him what he means by it's always darkest before the dawn does he mean that he believes that very soon the revolution the re revelations sorry not revolutions the revelations are coming I, yeah i do i th i think um that in in the next few years or at least within the next decade we're gonna have some major expansions of consciousness if that date on the alignment happening in 2026 is true great i don't know that for sure i have not verified that myself all i'm going on is the word of other researchers but i have hope that it, that it really is that year like they say it is um but what you know it's always darkest before the dawn is an ancient metaphor um which actually comes from egypt there's a um, there's an entity named Keck that is like this symbol of the the uh, the darkness of night just before dawn. Like things are always seem to be the most intense, the most rough, the most negative, whatever, before a great period of transformation or change. Yeah. And that's the same for the human spirit. You know, like it what is. we talked about earlier. Yeah, well, it's always good. darkest before the dawn. That's it. That's it. Like, like we said, we, we drew from a couple of personal experiences um, before talking about this. And then you look at the world and we were just saying a minute ago how it just feels like this can't go on for much longer. So it, it probably is a, an impending thing that it's a, that's arriving in, uh, in faster increments. But uh, yeah, yeah, always darkest before the dawn. Um, next one is from Mike Hotel Echo. And he says, can you ask Ryan whether he and Jeremy would consider regression hypnosis to uncover more knowledge they might carry within them? So you guys are actually getting it yourself. We've actually been talking about that. And I have um, come into contact with somebody in my town um, who is accredited and like seems to be legit. And that is in the works. It just costs so much money right now. Um, you know, it's like $250 for a session or something like that. I'm just waiting for the right time, but that is actually a, a very serious plan of mine is to have a regression. Um, I've, I've never had a hypnotic regression about the events that I've experienced, uh, with the phenomenon. And I think that that could really help me, uh, just like it helped my dad. Yeah. You know, I've considered it as well. People have said to me that I should get it part of me i suppose you should little, yeah i should right i should i should i really should actually i think it could help everybody you know just because some people might not have had like paranormal experiences doesn't mean that there aren't profound insights about their life that they yeah. that they couldn't gain from it well this i mean you know for me because i, I think the reason why i was a little nervous about doing it and I, it could be like a false correlation it was just a it's just a weird anomaly that occurred uh, at the same time as my contact experience my first contact experience with um do, do you know about this where the cloud kind of dissipated and there was a, a triangular formation have, have, have i told you about this before i believe you told me that before yeah, but just i mean i've, I've refresh said it, me yeah, i've said it yeah. loads of times on like interviews and stuff but basically like the first time was when i was out in my garden uh, this was this wasn't the first time I'd, I'd seen strange things. I'd seen flash bulbs and little things in the sky that seemed strange, but the the most intense experience and the first one with these orange orbs was where uh, this cloud literally floated across the sky and melted above. I'm I'm 
turning a long story into a very short story. Right. Um, but this cloud like came above my head, basically like up in the sky, dissipated within an instant, just kind of fizzled out into nothing. And within it was a triangular formation of like 25, like maybe 30 orange orbs of light in a, in a triangular wow. formation. Yeah, that, that was the first thing that I was really exposed to in a, in a That's intense, dramatic man. way. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And um, the next day I woke up and I got out of the shower and I was drying myself off and I was and I looked down at my at my arm and immediately and I'll put these up on screen and I can send you the photos. I immediately saw these these marks. It was it was literally like a triangle shape. It was like cigarette burns. It was it was a three dots in in a very clear triangle, but they were really profound on my arm, like bright red. And um, when I was looking at them and I kind of closely observed them, they actually had like the appearance of scarred over skin. There was no bump or pain or tra like there was I didn't feel anything. There was there was literally no scab or any sort of uh, damage. It, it looked like they'd been there for ages. It was like this little scar tissue layer and they lasted like that on my arm for well over a year, like well over a year mm -hmm. they were on my arm wow. and they've, they've, they're they still there, but they faded over time from like skin regeneration. And obviously just like, you know, this, that's just the way it goes, but they're still there a little bit, but they were there for a long time. And it was just the way that it happened just after the experience. A lot of people said, oh, well, maybe you were taken, maybe you were this, that and the other. And I think it kind of mm -hmm. got into my head and I was a little bit nervous about doing uh, regression because of it, but I probably should do it. Yeah, you should. You definitely should. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very relaxing, meditative experience. I've had a regression. I've had a past life regression. I've just never had what you're talking about yeah, and like yeah. what my dad has had, you know, and it, it's a very pleasant experience. It's nothing scary. You know, what you see on the movies is not the way it is. You're not going to be screaming in terror. My dad oh, no, cried, it's, but... not, it's not necessarily that. It's just I, I, I guess I was worried about, oh, is this, is am I going to remember things about this that made me go, holy shit, I'm never going out and doing that again. I can't believe that's what actually happened to me. I didn't realize, yet. you know, I don't want that to happen. But uh, well, look at my dad. Know... Look, look, look at how my dad reacted to it. It, it, it empowered him and, and yeah. gave him a deeper understanding. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a good thing. I, th I think I'll probably end up doing it, to be honest. I think that it's it's uh, it's probably important for me to get as much information about those experiences as, as I can, because, you know, the, yeah. human, the human memory is a fragile thing and there mm -hmm. could be a lot there that I don't know. So uh, anyway, moving back into uh, into questions. Next one we've got, let me just find it, is by Disarray. And they want to ask if you know anything about the White Brotherhood and its connections to Helena Blavatsky? I know about it. I, I, I don't like personally study it a great deal. I, I know exactly what it is. And it's the concept that there was like this ancient society of people that particularly Jesus was a member of um, that got initiated into the knowledge of the one true God, Amun-Ra, inside the temple. And I could be wrong here. You know, I, this is how I remember it. I, I don't really study this a whole lot. And from what I remember, they get initiated in the, like, the temple of Alexandria or something, if that sounds right, into the knowledge of one God. And, like, when they die, they become these ascended masters and things like that. Do I know if it's real? I don't know. It's cool as hell. Yeah, yeah. And they also ask if you know anything about uh, Melchizedek and his lineage. Yes, I do. The name Melchizedek um, has esoteric significance. For example, the name Zedek uh, is the ancient, it's either Babylonian or Canaanite, I can't remember, but the name itself actually means Jupiter. 
And, um, and, you know, if you study the etymology of the name and, and, and how Jesus actually in one of the scriptures mentioned Melchizedek as being the great priest, or no, no, I'm sorry, this is how it goes. Jesus is mentioned as being the new version of the grand high priest of the order of Melchizedek. So there's some sort of esoteric significance between Jesus and Melchizedek. And when you break down the etymology of his name, it means something to the effect of like priest of Jupiter. Right. So very cool stuff there. That's cool. See, there's so many journeys um, to take. Edgar Casey, in one of his readings, said that you know there was this the the true meaning of like what Christ actually is is it's not that it was the man Jesus, but it's actually this eternal spirit that incarnates at every like major age or like the cusp right. of humanity going through transformation, brings these incredible shifts of consciousness, like Zoroaster, or technically according to Edgar Casey, Zoroaster's father was one, Melchizedek, Enoch, Adam. Jesus, et cetera. Oh, Hermes Trismegistus and things like that. So, John Majorowski wants to know, is Ron Pandolfi still messing with your family? No comment. No comment. All right. Um, now, I've had a few people ask this. Uh, is anyone in your family, including, of course, your dad, uh, been in touch with or considered getting in touch with Dr. Gary Nolan due to his interest in the neurological changes that can occur from being a close contact experiencer? No. Have you thought, okay, you're not interested in Gary Nolan? They come to us. These people come to us. We don't go to them. It's always been that way. They always come to us. He's never come to us. He's never come to you. Okay, interesting. Mm -mm. Uh, that surprises me. I would imagine. Okay, well, we'll see. Maybe in the future, right? Um, next. Maybe one if he came from, to us, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one comes from Joe Westcott. Ask him if he's considered that the visitations might be demonic or manipulative. They seem to take the positive impression, only ruling out a potentially deceptive nature. I think that is a very uninformed decision, or excuse me, uninformed question. Here's why, because for 15 years, we've been out here talking about this and how we've received like negativity from people and all yeah, these, yeah, yeah. you know, outside sources and the CIA and the government. And we haven't even like considered that there's like a deceptive element to this or anything. Yeah, of course we've considered it. But like at this point in the game, if people are still asking us that I'm like, next, like, yeah. we're past that, dude. We know the beings are real. We believe them. Thank you for the question. But um, no, I a hundred percent we believe these beings we believe these entities there's no part of my mind that computes anymore that i've seen them perform miracles on people on our property heals of healing people of cancers other terminal diseases that they should never have recovered for, from um i've seen them provide you know show up in front of people physically at our property they see these orbs and then they go home and situations in their life are resolved and, and totally just transform people's lives into very beautiful positive success stories. I don't think that there's any indication that these entities are evil. I think that that is um, part of that great deception that I told you about that like the media, these institutions, these powerful organizations that kind of like are pulling the puppet strings for humanity. They want people thinking like that. I don't think these entities are evil. Well, I mean, I have to agree. I've had I've had people, um, especially quite early on when I was talking about consciousness and, and, and my contact experiences and I was advising people to actually try and engage in these types of methodologies. I had people come out of the woodwork claiming to be intelligence, warning me that I was sending my thoughts out into the void and you don't know what's going to respond and, you, you know, you're attracting these negative entities and they were trying to put me off the idea of doing this. And I have to admit that 
for me personally, the journey through learning about consciousness, then finding out about contact, engaging in contact, having success, that's all been incredibly powerful for me in a, in a, in a good way, like in terms of like an yeah. endearing, oh my gosh, this is real. And, and it's provided me with a lot of optimism. And I think that, you know, of course, being cautious, that's fair. It's fair to be cautious. But I think looking for deception where there isn't evidence for any, you know, it's kind that's of like exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about is people yeah. are trained to just always look for deception, right? It's like, you know, oh, it's they're backwards. Doing, they're, they're doing it's all backwards. these healings. They're doing all these great things. Yeah, but it might yeah. be a deception. It might be a multidimensional chess game. It's like, okay. Yeah, so, I, so, I so these see. beings are, these beings are caught in this web of lies where they're just healing all these people to keep convincing <laughs> us, you know, it's like, dude, I'm sorry, but that, that, that yeah. I, I see that question a lot, particularly yeah. my DMs. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, next. Yeah, well, I, I'm, the, I'm the same when it comes to kind of contact. It's like, well, how do you know you're not? I appreciate the question, though. I no. do appreciate the question. Yeah, no, no, but, absolutely. Appreciate yeah. the question, uh, mate. But it's no, I, I just find that I agree with you because I've had the same thing thrown at me all the time about engaging with the phenomenon through contact. It's like, how do you know you're you yeah. know, not attracting evil stuff? It's like, well, maybe you just shouldn't focus on that being your main priority and it won't come yeah. towards you in that way but yeah so good question appreciate it but i think i agree with you on the response uh next question is from Lagitix. uh what does ryan think about astral projection and lucid dreaming is he a projector or a lucid dreamer i think most contacts with non-human consciousness happen on the astral level and disclosure can probably come faster if people get in touch with lucid dreaming and astral projection i think that is true I think that the majority of contact with these entities happens on an unconscious level, mm -hmm. like maybe when you're asleep, if you know, if you could like astral project or get into very high states of meditation. Now, I do, uh, particularly lately, I practice meditation. I'm really trying to dive deep into that. Um, I just think it's something I, I've avoided it for all these years. I'm very ADHD. My thoughts are always racing. I never want to sit down and just like be quiet. But I found that that's not what meditation is really about. It's it's really more so about just just trying to um, not think at all. It's, it's, it's not about trying to think to be quiet. It's just about trying to not think at all. And, and, and since I've realized that and made that switch, it's really helped me. Um, and I do find that particularly when meditating, nothing funky, nothing like astral traveling or my spirit leaving my body or whatever. I do find that I, that I tend to receive like incredible insights and incredible intuition. I think that, sure. I mean, I think anybody could astral travel if they knew the actual correct way to do it. Have I tried it? No. I personally don't feel like I need it because every time I go home and visit my dad, I'm seeing orbs in the sky. I don't, I don't have that like need. I don't have that obsessive need to like try and figure out if there's really something beyond the veil. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I've seen it. And what I'm more so focused on in my daily present life is like, how can I make myself better and like more positive and happy so that I can do this project, you know, Bledsoe said so, and like do what I personally have the power to do to in some way big or small benefit humanity so like no I, I don't really try things like that like i don't i don't really try to like get to these like super altered states of consciousness through like lucid dreaming or things like that I, and, and the only reason not that i'm scared of it i'm just not interested i think it's real i do yeah. think it's real yeah no i i definitely uh appreciate that perspective like i i find i agree with it as well because especially with meditation like meditation for me was a was a weird concept until literally like you i realized yeah. oh it's, it's just the observation it's the observation of silence it's just it's yeah just, yeah yeah uh, it's not I about think, like i gotta be quiet you know that's yeah. how i used to think it was like i, no. I can't think i can't think but really it's not it's just like 
let yourself think just just yeah. kind of like just let, be still exactly. and just, just like breathe I, I find and i don't know if you've gone to this before because I, i'm not an advanced meditator but i i found that i've got to states where i almost feel like i'm like at the back of my normal mind and I'm, I'm observing thoughts coming in but they're having no impact on like my calmness and my serenity it's really strange yeah. so it's almost like i'm just looking at thoughts happening in a in a brain not so much being in the brain and having thoughts rushing around it's like this weird level of separation sometimes takes place where it's like oh i'm having thoughts anyway back to <laughs> you know, you know? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like like the way that i have come to understand meditation is like you know, your con consciousness can could maybe even be understood as like a signal. Like that's one of the thing that uh, things that Tim Taylor told my dad is that the human body is like an antenna. Yeah. Um, and in his words, it was like it's sending and receiving a signal um, from somewhere out there. Right. He indicated that these beings, these entities, the divinity, you know, the divine, whatever, we're actually our bones, our hair. Our, our physical biological body is actually a transmitter and a receiver for some sort of signal to a higher intelligence. Now, the way that I understand it is that, like I just said, like your body is a channel for consciousness, right? Now, particularly about meditation, I think it's about clearing that channel. So like if let's, let's say you're an anxious person like me, I, I actually tend to be a pretty anxious person on, on, you know, like I said, ADHD, racing thoughts. I, I, I'm just very busy minded. I, I deal Same with here. life. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's a blessing and a curse, you know, but I, I, I tend to realize that like when my brain is heavy with all of these really fast racing thoughts that are kind of like clogging up this channel, um, I, I don't really have the ability or, or the mindset to really get that like profound um, inspiration that I need. But when I do things like meditation, it, I feel like it clears me out to yeah. where thoughts start coming in that I don't typically have. It's not like a voice speaks to me and it's like, I am God, this is your inspiration. No, it's just like, you no, just feel inside like, wow, intuitive. that's, yeah. I haven't thought about that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think Absolutely. everybody has that ability for sure. I think meditation is a beautiful wonderful thing a wonderful wonderful yeah. thing dude that's that's why i've stepped back from social media that exact same feeling of just feeling overwhelmed with information yeah. and like you know there'll be times where i'm like i'll set my laptop down and i'm lying in bed and it's just like bzz, like just i can't yeah like, yeah, yeah. It just... feels like i'm gonna explode you know um so it's 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 you gotta take you gotta step back from that stuff and meditation yeah. is one of those things I'm particularly addicted to gaining knowledge. Like I know that sounds silly, but like I'm I'm always I'm always researching these yeah. like these esoteric things, the 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 secret societies or like, you know, meditation, chakras, blah blah blah. I'm always reading, always reading, always reading and I find that like sometimes I just got to take a break, get off social media, don't don't like really absorb much of anything mm -hmm. and just like take reset. a step back and just yeah, reset. reset. Yeah, totally. Um, a yeah, few more questions to, to go through. Okay. Um, sure. So the next one is from Christine Grindle. Ryan talks about interacting with light beings on his podcast, Brackets, which is always a fun listen, close brackets. I was wondering if he could expand upon that. How many beings? Are they the same beings making repeated visits? Do they give him information in the same way that the lady speaks to his dad? And if so, what? Thank you both for the work you're doing. And thank you for the question, Christine. Very interesting question, although I am disappointed to respond in this way, but I don't think it's humanly possible for anybody to know like exactly how many beings they are. Are they the same one? They show up and they're glowing and they're made of light, right? And, the, and only two have given a name. 
to be honest with you. One of them, the lady, she gave her name Hathor, and then she said the hidden one is Amun-Ra. And then the other entity, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this story, but in 2019, oh. dad saw a being um, over our pond and oh, it, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it started as an orb. Um, it gave its name was Michael. That's the only two beings that have given their name. The rest of them, we we see them all the time. They don't, they don't necessarily always like communicate. They show up, they flash, they do these little shows for us. It's like they're communicating, but it's mostly nonverbal. I have seen entities in my bedroom, literally like with my eyes, and they don't speak all the time. And, you know, it's just the way that it is. Uh, do they communicate with me in the same way? I suspect that if they do, um, I have not had like the level of hypnotic regression that my father has had. And I probably have these like trauma mechanisms in my mind that don't allow me to process them in the same way. Um, but I, I, I'm wondering if a hypnotic regression would maybe open me up a little bit more, or maybe, maybe that's just wishful thinking. And, and, and I've never communicated face to face with an entity and either way, I'm fine with that. Um, but no, presently, as I understand things and I'm aware of things that has never happened to me. Who knows? Maybe I could have a very revealing hypnotic regression. I think a lot of people could, like a surprising amount of people, really have had these entity interactions that they're not consciously aware of. You know? Yeah. Ian Valdez asks, would love to hear his thoughts on magical realities or esotericism, all the weird stuff his family went through, had to perk the esoterically inclined ears of some government officials. Maybe he was, uh, or maybe he has an idea of what they think slash believe is really going on. So we've kind of covered that, but anything you got to add? Sure. So uh, last year, there were some individuals who I will not name that were harassing me um, on the internet. And anyway, so they, they, you know, they were really just trying to like, intimidate me through Twitter DMs, believe it or not. And I know they were who they say they were. It's complicated. I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, I called Jim Simi Van the next day and he kind of like calmed me down and he was like, dude, don't worry about it. They're, they're, they can't hurt you. They're just trying to terrorize and intimidate you. Just ignore them. And I was like, you know that, sure. Easier said than done, but sure. And um, after that, he, he actually was very gracious and kind enough to stay on the phone with me for like another 45 minutes and just shoot the shit and just kind of like chat, catch up with me about life. And, and I, I kind of like told him like, man, I've thought about a lot of the things you told me that one night, like the, the night I referenced when he um, told me about like the, he, they understand when I said they, I mean like the CIA and the intelligence collection agencies, they understand that they're interdimensional beings and we were kind of like getting that ball rolling in conversation had like an hour long chat about esoterica and how he has like, he's familiar with like the Gnostics, Helena Blavatsky. I can't remember every esoteric thing that he mentioned, but we had a very long riveting chat and it kind of ended up with him concluding to me that he believes that there probably was a precursor race of godlike beings and the ancient past that we have descended from. And now we're these more like limited physical beings, um, very different from the mainstream UFO agenda, but that's the kind of chats Very. you have when, you know, that's, that's the, the sobering chats that you have when you have these experiences. And then the government flocks to your house and they prod you and poke you and ask you all these questions. The conversations are different than what you see on TV. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I'm, I'm really and truly like trying to show a, a window into the world that I've lived and provide a different perspective. But yeah, they're very interested in the occult. And um, Tim Taylor, very interested in the occult as well. He talked about um, like Jack Parsons, 
um, as particularly with Diana Pasolka, which obviously mm. we talked about that on the main show, has ties to Aleister Crowley. And Diana Pasolka revealed recently on Twitter before she was like hacked or whatever, um, that at certain launches, they face cardinal directions depending on what equinox or solstice it is. And they have pagan rituals celebrating the thinning of the veil when they do these launches, you know, so very occult in the high echelons yeah. of the intelligence community. Yeah. 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 This is the stuff that the nuts and bolts people are going to have to wrap their head around at some point. They, they just close their ears. They just close their ears. Right. Because yeah, it's do. like, I, that's not the science, bro. That's, okay. that's not, that's not cool. the material engineering that I like and observe, yeah. you know, but that's like, as we were saying before, it's like, it's not about the craft. It's about what's controlling these things. What's piloting this stuff, you know, it's, yeah, and uh, it's really about why they're coming though. And why you know, like it's a, yeah. yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see it the same way, dude. Good question. Thank you for that one. Yeah, um, great question. So the next one we have, and there's th three left. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Sure. Chris Clancy asks, we now live in the conditions for which that prophecy uh, seems quite plausible, referring to the prophetic messages the lady gave to your dad. Uh, Chris Bledsoe said that he didn't want to talk about the negative aspects, but we're at a point now where it seems that information could be useful for preserving life and, and trying to keep people safe. It'd be nice to have it laid out in plain terms as much as possible. He saw war. And, you know, like certain things like earthquakes and, um, you, you know, it's just like, think from my perspective, how or as particularly my dad's perspective, like what if you saw these things and you were afraid to tell them to the world because in some way it could cause it to happen. You know what I mean? Like right. th there, there's, there's just some things he saw that he doesn't want to see happen, I guess. But like, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just put it this way. He saw some things. Um, and the lady said that they don't all have to happen, that if we change and if we shift to a state of love, but like he, he saw some pretty devastating things. And that's why she was like, you have to go tell your story, you know, to try to shift collective consciousness. But yeah, he, I mean, he saw war. I, I, I don't really want to go much deeper than that, but he, he saw like, what would appear to be. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. But um, it's again, it's being made to happen Yeah. to subjugate humanity, to, to, to mind control us, to trick us, to sort of like break our will and get us to, to just be in a constant state of fear and depression and darkness. Because that's what these negative psychic entities feed on is our suffering and our fear. So the next one is Exofa Terrestrial. Now they've done some podcasts about this. Uh, they've been interviewed a couple of times. This person has been looking into the various connections with the appearance of ladies in white many times. Oh, cool. With bulls. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. I'll send you a link actually afterwards and you can check because they've, they've, I think they'd really like to speak to you, to be honest. Um, they've been finding all these connections between ladies and white and bulls, bovine creatures, and the four colors that are often associated with these occurrences. What's the wanted... podcast called? Uh, well, no, he's he's called Exo for Terrestrial, but he's he did one. I think he did one on um, you know Strange Recon podcast. Okay, well, if you type in Strange Recon podcast, I've I've done a couple interviews with those guys. They're really good. I'm pretty sure he was he was on there recently. Okay, um, so like a guest. Yeah, as a guest. Yeah, he doesn't okay. run a podcast. Okay. But he's uh, yeah, he's done a couple of interviews uh, with his, his he's been doing a lot of research into the uh, yeah, the ladies, the bulls, 
there's four colors that are often associated with these occurrences. And he wanted me to mention um, the women in white and all the connections he's found with these four colors. He said he doesn't think Ryan is aware of how many there are. For instance, I've never heard him mention the Shepherd of Hermas, where the colors appear on a UFO, though he does know about the white buffalo calf woman where the colors appear as the Native American medicine wheel. I'd love to hear his thoughts about this pattern of occurrences given his father's claim. He also goes on to mention, I've discovered a lot about these women in white beings. They have been influencing belief systems throughout history across the world. They pilot UFOs, they appear as women in white and transform into bovine animals, and they have a flag of four colors. So that's kind of, I, yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there and let you respond to that. Yeah, very interesting. No, I've never studied that. It's like, you know, when an entity shows up and it, it says its name is Hathor, like the first thought in your mind is, I'm going to look up Hathor. And, right. and it said, it showed the pyramids, it showed the Sphinx, it, sh it talked about Amun-Ra, and it even mentioned the name Pitta. And yeah, the, the majority of my time has been spent studying the esoteric, the occult, Egyptian, these extra belief systems that you know the mainstream doesn't necessarily have access to they're not educated on them or whatever it's never crossed my mind to like hmm she showed up as a a, a, a bull let me let me study bulls like that's just yeah. never crossed my mind we're in it it's me and my dad we're talking she said this let me look this up dad you know it's just like where what is it zofa terrestrial yeah where it's, zofa it's, it's it's exofa so x-o-p-h-a just so you know yeah so we're 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 Exofa terrestrial hears about it on the internet and then has this thought. That's cool. I never had that thought. You know, maybe our thoughts can correlate and we can figure something out. But no, I mean, I've I've never heard of the Hermes calf woman or whatever because I've been studying Egypt. Yeah, yeah, the Shepherd of Hermes. The Shepherd of Hermes. Never heard of it. I've I've heard of the Lady of Fatima, the yeah, big yeah. Catholic one. She didn't appear as a bull, but she was a lady. And and, and again, like. We weren't typically interested in the bull symbolism. We yeah, were yeah. interested more in like the divine feminine aspect of that, you know, because to me, that's far more important. The bull thing is cool. That's like referencing, you know, um, nature, you know, forces of nature and whatnot. But we, we were more interested in the fact yeah. that like, wow, there's a divine feminine. There's there's what the ancients called a mother goddess like that archetypal energy is truly real you know it's it's to us it's been about that i wonder if the bull represents the divine masculine well according to why hathor is depicted as a bull it's because she's known as like the cosmic mother whose udders nourish you know like the milky way galaxy it's like her udders nourishing the cosmos with milk but even bull, though a bull bulls, is a male <laughs> i know i know but it's 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 just the way it is it's your yeah, cow yeah. symbolism yeah. yeah 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 um a few people wanted to get your take real quick on the world economic forum davos group great reset what do you think this move by the global 0.1 percent represents i think i've been talking about on this entire episode main I show know, yeah, I know. yeah like <laughs> trying mean, to take uh, over the fucking world people yeah they are <laughs> they are pushing the great deception like i cannot yeah. be it's a yeah. wonderful question but like i cannot be more yeah. explicit about this these one percent groups are the real threat it is not these entities it's it's not and entities have been with us and created us and have interacted with us much longer than these groups it's just very subtle you know you're you're driving down the street and you have a profound thought in your head and then a deer runs across your car that could have been an entity interaction according to the dogon tribe you know the five thousand year old dogon tribe who were very advanced as far as spirituality is concerned 
tiny little village in Africa or a little tribe. Yeah, it's crazy. That had, yeah, incredibly profound astrological knowledge, spiritual knowledge. And that was one of their, their main beliefs is like the entities interact with you in a way that is very subtle. They can kind of like influence animals. You have synchronicities. They didn't have that word, but it was the concept. And, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not the ones that we should fear. Like the 1% want you to think it's the 1%. It's big tech. It's big pharma. It's the oligarchs. It's, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The World Economic Forum, the Council of Foreign Relations, all that crap. Facebook. It's all there as a part of the Great Deception. Yeah. And to be honest, it doesn't take much to realize that it can certainly all be utilized that way, especially the internet and social media. Yeah. And Bear Monsanto, it. you know, they sprayed oh. all our crops with glyphosate. My God. And, and, and just like, they, they, just in every facet of our yeah. reality, they have their grips on control. The public education system in America was actually funded and created by John Rockefeller in like the 1920s oh, or 30s. Shit. People don't even really? know that. Really? That's why I keep saying the Rockefeller school system. Yeah. He created yeah. the standardized education system. Wow. You know, every level of reality is controlled in some way by these groups. The religious system all came from, you know, like churches. We know it today, even though there's Protestant sects now, it it's, uh, it's it came from the Vatican, you know, creating that structure. And then in the 1500s, Martin Luther and all those people, they split off and they did it their own way, but they kept the same book. They kept the same beliefs and just kind of like, did it a different way but it's the same core thing dude this has been awesome i said two hours i'd keep you i've kept you for two hours and 40 minutes we have gone on a, yeah, on a yeah. pretty decent marathon here it has been so good though i've really enjoyed this same same yeah, i've enjoyed yeah. it a lot well, look, I would tell everyone once again to uh, check out the Bledsoe Said So podcast. Links will be in the description. Such a good podcast. Definitely needs more support. So uh, please, uh, I'd recommend you go check out Ryan's episodes. And uh, yeah, man, it's just good talking to you. You know, I consider you a friend from afar. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're just trying to figure this all out. And I always appreciate your perspective. So uh, thank you for giving us so much time. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, no pressure but would love to if you're up to it yes have you on our show do it. Cool. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll you don't, be need, you don't need to you don't need to twist my arm dude i'll happily come on okay to, uh, happily come onto your show at some point